Welcome to Season 2 of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt Cook and Bobby Brown. Welcome back, everybody, to Pull Hook Golf, the podcast. I am your host, Matthew Cook. I've got Mr. Bobby Brown here as the my sidekick, my partner in yes. crime. I'd say he's yes. Batman. I'm more Robin. But that being said, we have a <laughs> special episode number 30 for you all, which this week we've got two professional events going on. And uh, I know, Bobby, some people on the PGA Tour wouldn't call the other one a professional golf tournament because it's only 54 yeah. holes. But we've got one going on in Las Vegas. We've got one going on in Bangkok. And if you've seen the Hangover movies, we've got Hangover 1 and Hangover 2 here. So we're going to be talking about which which place is a little bit more dangerous to go take a golf trip or, (laughs) for this matter, a bunch of professional golfers with a lot of money to go spend around. And, uh, you know, there's casinos everywhere. I mean, you're in Vegas right now. We've got the Shriners open. Sin City, baby. Sin City. We're going to get started with Sanderson Farms. We're going to do a little recap there. Then we're going to dive okay. into the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship that took place yeah. over at St. Andrews. Uh, Rory McIlroy coming up just short again. Uh, we've got the Shriners Open coming up this week that you're out at right now. Then we'll dive into our Vegas versus Bangkok conversation. And that will segue us into Live Golf. And also, one very cool topic that I... Uh, I saw an article in Golf Digest about this undercover caddy that is caddying on Live Golf and had some very interesting things to say. So we're going to talk about that towards the end of the episode. But, Bobby, without further ado, Sanderson Farms, Mackenzie Hughes comes in with a big playoff win. I mean, there was some talk on uh, the different media outlets about how he was a snub for the President's Cup, and I'm kind of sitting there going, who would he have replaced? Billy Horschel? No. Well, he's Canadian. Kevin Kisner? No, No, he's Canadian. Oh, he's on the international side. Yeah, he's a Canuck, man. You know what they say? Oh, that makes more sense. Oh, you know when I used to caddy at Pebble Beach, you come out of the you come out of the caddy barn and you you introduce your players and you're naturally, hey, I'm so and so, and you know, and and where are you from? And they're like, oh, I'm from Canada. And then you're like, ah shit. Because you know what happens in Canada, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Canoes don't tip. Canucks don't tip. <laughs> so I hope I didn't just blow our eight Canadian viewers. But no, he's uh, he's Canadian. And Ryan Fox is, is obviously South African, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I didn't know Mackenzie Hughes was Canadian. Yeah. That threw me for a loop. See, I'm sitting here the entire time You're going, up, kid. who is he? I do. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm off the, uh, you know, it's been a long week and... I mean, yes, I know that you, you're you're an injured player tonight, but Ooh. we won't get into that. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about it. I just you think don't we talk should? About well, let's ever, let's let everybody know that the reason why we are delayed one day because we know all those tens of thousands of people we're looking forward to, like I do, waiting for our shit to drop this morning. But uh, I, I'm here. I'm here in Vegas, and one of Troy Merritt's, my bosses main sponsors is MGM Resorts, which owns a bunch of properties here. And I'm fortunate enough that um, uh, he can't burn through all the credit they give him to be an ambassador. So I have a, um, uh, have a nice room this week. Uh, all meals go to a master account and that kind of stuff. So we, um, uh, I love Mexican food. So he's like, hey, let's go down to this Javier's place downstairs last night. 
grab some Mexican food. And my Mexican food being from San Diego, Matt, is give me four street tacos, you know, with cilantro, onions, and some green sauce. And that's all I need. I don't need chips. I don't need salsa. So I'm scanning down the menu, and I can't really find anything. But I lock onto the appetizer list, and I love taquitos. You know taquitos, the deep-fried little round things? Oh, yeah. I call them taquitos. What do you call them? Taquitos? Taquitos. Did I say taquitos? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know who's right here, by the way. I'm from Canada. I say things differently. (laughs) And so so I'm like, I'm going to go with this. And I've been battling for some reason when I travel. Well, you know, when I travel a long distance, I get a little plugged up, so to speak. You know, my digestive tract doesn't seem to be working as good. So the first couple of days I was here, I was struggling. I wolfed down these taquitos. But the first bite I took a one, Matt, I'm like, man, this tastes a little funky, but I'm so hungry, you know. So I keep eating, and I came back up to the room, and and let's just say after 15 minutes of laying down, and I'm going to be burping tonight, folks, and drinking seven <laughs> up, and you're going to see a bunch of these things going down. And poor Bobby and, reaches uh, out to me. I was miserable. There was a it trail was from rough. here to the bathroom, and when it's dub, I don't want to get too gross, but when it's double ended and that kind of stuff, it's not comfortable. So I had to reach out to. Him. I got two bosses. I got Troy Merritt, and I got Matt Cook. So. I felt bad, but we had to pull. We had to man to throw in the the white flag. You last did night. I mean? I talked to you at what was it about five forty five oh, a.m. this morning? Oh my gosh. Because we yeah. thought about doing the show early, and yeah. I heard your voice, and I'm like, "Oh, you're not okay." I'm and not okay. Sure enough, I'm a you, six on a t- scale, of one to ten though now, not a two anymore. Yeah, you you were about a point five, I'd say, this morning because. Mm. As I was talking to you, I think we only talked for about 45 seconds, maybe up to a minute. I'll have to double check. But you, towards the end of our conversation, seemed like you had to run somewhere to let something out. Yeah, it was not, it was not, it it seemed like you were just hanging on for dear life. All night long. And there shouldn't have been anything left in my stomach. I thought it was all gone, you know, but I did rally up because I am a dedicated caddy. And the I made my 1219, my 1219 pro MT time only, thank God it was only nine holes. That's all I could That's all I can say. Um, it's 95 degrees out here in, in Vegas, you know, and I was not, um, uh, I was not all there. So I'm glad that I've been, I'm glad that I've been here 10 times. So it was just basically, um, another look, where were we? Sanderson farms. Well, I'm going to tell you about my little travel. I had a little bit of travel. I had to come from Charleston, South Carolina on Sunday night, a little quick little flight into Atlanta, and then a nice flight from 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 there to Vegas, which was pretty chill. Got got here at the at the resort and checked in at like eight forty five or or nine o'clock. Had some food. Everything went um uh, everything went pretty smooth. So you know, I made it safe and sound, and I'm super stoked for this tournament. Um, this golf course is is um been regrassed. If, the, if you know what that means, if our people know what that means, they shut this golf course down nine months ago. They regrassed everything. And the reason why they regrassed everything is because this is a TPC Summerlin is a very popular resort course for people that come to Vegas. And what I mean by that, Matt, is, is the fairways. You can relate to that where you live because the fairways are you can tell people drive carts up by the greens and it's Bermuda and it's firm and the ball just runs everywhere. And it's super difficult to chip, to chip out. And we had problems chipping here um, last year with Troy. So it looks good. It looks like it's in great shape, but let's back up to, um, uh, we'll go ahead and back up to Sanderson. Yeah. You want to yeah. do a little Sanderson? Let's I do mean, a little Sanderson update. You know, it wasn't the most exciting golf tournament, let's say, no. but yet 
towards the end, it started getting interesting. Yeah. And then McK- Mackenzie Hughes. Yeah. Which I don't know a ton about him, which is why me mistaking him for an American and so forth. Yeah. My apologies. I know I'm going to get roasted on social media on that one. Yes, <laughs> you will. <laughs> but that's okay. I deserve that one. That's okay. That's okay. He's been on tour for a long time. He's a great player. He came, um, he's one of those Kent State guys, right? Him, him, Corey Connors, um, both played at Kent State. They were legendary college players. Obviously, they're a factory there with their coach. Taylor Pendrith was part of their Canadian posse. Um, Albin Choi, I don't know if you know Albin Choi's name. He played on the Corn Ferry for years. He, he actually played at NC, at NC State. He is the guy that he, that that whose mother committed suicide after oh, he lost a junior tournament. I we talked you, about yeah. this on an episode, and he's friends with Sungjae. Remember, Sungjae called him into caddy, and he won at Honda. Yeah, he was running out of money, and he made some quick money. Um, got some got some shells stacked up, made it through Corn Ferry Q School, you know, a year or so ago, and got back on the Corn Ferry, and it's has since lost status because he missed in uh, he missed in first stage. So it's official. Mackenzie Hughes is Canadian. It is a hundred percent official. It's not the strongest field. I'll, I'll tell you what I that Jackson Mississippi course, full on Bermuda, head to toe in mm. Bermuda, fast moving, moving fairways. Miss a fairway, you're you're gambling with your life, right? It's jumper central out there. The greens get super firm. They're super grainy. They all run away in the they all run away in the back. So it doesn't necessarily attract, especially coming behind the president's cup, right? It doesn't attract um, the greatest field. It did have Sam Burns. There it is. Excuse me. The burps still coming out, folks. I'm glad you can't smell it. Um, uh, it's still coming out. Um, it wasn't the strong. It wasn't the strongest field, but it turned out to be an exciting tournament, though. Really, didn't it? it? With that, with that playoff, and you know, it, Mac just looked like he was in the zone the whole mm-hmm. time. You know, on on Sunday, and you remember I was telling you my big personal difference between a live golf tournament and a PGA Tour event is the way the guys look down the lane. When I mean down the lane, down the stretch, the last three or four holes, where they're just focused in their own zone. They're not talking to any other players in the group, neither of the caddies. Everybody's doing their own thing. So he really sucked it up. He played great. He um, didn't. He's he been dropped a, that 15-footer to win. Yeah, he dropped the 15-footer. More impressively, he drove it left of the world on 18 in regulation, you know, and he, he hit that over the back of the green and had a, I, I was doing the math when they said I, I, I had it probably over a hundred footer that he puttered up there to probably about three or four feet pin high. And those can't be easy in that situation. And he buried, he buried, he buried it. And he has a, I'm going to say, I don't know his last name. I think it's Jace Walker, but he has a caddy named Jace Walker who, who cut his teeth on the corn fairy tour. Um, with some some really good players and he's he's he, he's another one of those caddies that nobody knows about Matt that just mm. you when you get paired with him you're like god this guy just reeks of being super well he, he I, I, I'm I, I'm gonna say he reminded me of me at that age you're super you're you're super you're not really totally experienced but you're super positive and that supersedes that and he knows his player very well and everything's always positive that comes out of his mouth it's almost when you get paired with him he's like man this guy says a lot you know but some players relish that all not all of them so Kudos to them, him, them. But how about Sepp Straka, man? He has just come on the map. This is two playoff losses in a row. Now you remember he almost won the first FedEx Cup of them. Almost did. Yeah, yeah. And he, a, a little backstory on him. He's Austrian of all things. He's Austrian of all things, and he comes off a powerhouse University of Georgia team. And I had a buddy that played on the Canadian Tour. The caddies out here is nobody would know his name. His name's John Turcotte. He played in one U.S. Open at. Um, 
at Torrey Pines. He played on the Corn Ferry Tour. He did some good on the Canadian Tour. But way back when in 2000, I'm going to say it was 2008, we had the U.S. Open at when the Rocco Medi Tiger U.S. Open was probably 2008 or something at Torrey Pines. Something well, this like ju- that, yeah. Yeah, well, this is a ran- total random off-the-wall Bobby Brown story, but this caddy it. buddy of mine – John Turcott was in the field. He qualified, right? He was in the field. And on the last hole, um, Stuart Appleby buried this 90-foot eagle putt to knock out like nine guys out of the cut on Friday. And John Turcott was one of them. So just goes to show you it's another great caddy player. My point was when John started working for Sepp Stracker, I'm like, hey, I know of this Sepp Stracker. Tell me about his game. And he goes, oh, Bob, I think he's going to be a four or five-time winner on the PGA Tour. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, he drives it great. You know, he's one of the best drivers of the golf ball. So he's finally coming. He's finally coming into his own. So that was pretty. That was pretty exciting. He's been. He's been playing really great golf for well over a year now. He did make a caddy change from John Turcott to another guy named John, who I classify. Um, uh, we call him Eight Mile. That's his nickname. That's all I need to tell you. He is, he is, you know, there's still a handful of caddies out here that can really get after it on, on certain nights, and, you know, and you know who those guys are, but they show up and they're pretty, they're, they're pretty fresh in the morning. They don't smell of booze or anything like that, but he's no scaredy cat, but um, uh, I don't know how he's going to be this week though. We usually if you get to Vegas, this place Vegas is pretty is dangerous. Tough. It's a dangerous spot. It's, it's now, Bobby, go. here's the thing with Sepp Straka, for instance, and yeah. you look at guys like, for instance, Max Homa, who really hasn't come on until his 30s. Yeah. This is where I was talking about. Remember early on when I was talking about the good around what's happening around salaries and getting guaranteed yeah. money and yeah. how I was hoping that that would trickle down to the Corn Ferry Tour, maybe even to the mini tours. That's yeah. something to where, like, think about it. If a guy doesn't make it right away... And yeah. let's say that they didn't end up getting onto the PGA Tour and they're hanging around the Corn Ferry Tour for quite some time. And then they yeah. just get sick of that lifestyle, you know, where it's like, man, yeah. I'm grinding for $30,000 a year. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. brutal. And that's after, like, travel expenses and whatnot. But it, obviously people are getting sponsors. And it's a hard life. I mean, especially sure if you go is. below the Corn Ferry Tour. But sure. do you think, especially with somebody like Seb Straka, Max Homa, some of these guys that have come on later on, because you're right, Seb Straka, I mean, that guy bombs the ball, accurate off the tee, and then really has kind of honed in a little bit more of that short game and, you know, 100 yards and in, let's say. And that's something that bombers, normally it takes some time to get that level of feel and touch, but it's something that you can get over experience and everything. So I kind of see it as, you know, as we kind of move into this whole new phase where there's going to be the $500,000 stipend and so forth, I think we're going to yeah. see more guys like that that get comfortable yeah. because getting comfortable on a tour, especially yeah. the PGA Tour, I, yeah. I think that's going to be a big key to a lot of these guys' success. What do you think? Uh, well, I agree with you 100%. If I'm not mistaken, it, it, there, there's a... It's only for the new guys, and if they don't keep their car, there's a half a million dollars that they get. That's the stipend, if I'm not mistaken. That's the yeah. number. But I'm not sure. I'm still learning about all these new changes. <clears throat> Excuse it was very me, vague in the letter that came out. <clears throat> I think so it's forth. for the new guys that have never played on tour before, and if they don't keep their car, they're going to make a they're going to make a mandatory um, five hundred thousand dollars. And I believe. 
you know, we haven't, you know, we've only played one tournament, but you remember, you remember I think he even got five grand for missing a cut. Good yeah. to know, because my man misses four or five cuts a year. So yeah. I expect that extra, you know, 400 bucks in my wallet. But I do think so. I think you're right, because I think it's going to take a little pressure off of, a little pressure off of these guys for sure, knowing that they're going to have some kind of income coming in and they finally got their dream of, you know, reaching the PGA Tour. And it's the names you mentioned, Max, you know, um, uh, strep didn't take as, strep didn't take as long to kick in as Max did, as Max's story over the years. But, you know, the, some guys come out and do damage immediately. And some guys like Max, it takes six or seven years to figure out, hey, I don't, I don't need to get so pissed on the golf course and I don't need to be so stressed out over money. Exactly. So I, 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 I do. I think it's going to free uh, quite a few guys up. So, you know, hats off to those guys. It was, it was, a, it was a great playoff. I was on the plane. I was on the tarmac. I was watching every bit. So that kind of made my flight um, um, a little more enjoyable, even though I did miss the last playoff hole because we took off and uh -huh. I lost service. And Delta did have Wi-Fi, but I couldn't fucking figure out how to make yeah. the goddamn shit work. But there's some other guys that played really good um, last week that were kind of fell yeah, off the map. Garrick Higo. Garrick Higo. Mm. You know, this is another South African that – what you know we're going to congaree in a couple of weeks for the cj cup you know it's a 78 man field top top 60 top 50 top 60 last year fedex so it's the cream in the crop and then and then there's about 18 other korean players that get exemptions which i'm always excited about because I, I got the inside scoop on the up and coming koreans and you get to see you get to see them and how good south korean golf is but but my little story on Garrett Kigo is he won three times on the European tour before he came over here. And he, he came to Kiowa a couple of years ago, the one that Phil won the PGA championship. He played great. I, I think he was in the mix all week, probably finished in the top 12 or 13. And for whatever reason, here comes the shit talking for whatever reason, he thinks he needs to get better. So he goes, sees the biggest, you know, joke of a teacher, Claude Harmon, you know, to try and change things. So Claude tries to change his natural draw and he's a lefty his natural draw into a cut. And it's so funny when I saw Claude working with him a couple of years ago and I've been paired with him and got to know him pretty, got to know him pretty good. Um, I'm like, you went to work for Claude Harmon. First I said it to his caddy. I go, you went to work for Claude Harmon. And he goes, yeah. I go, how's it going? He's like, I don't know. You know, and I'm like, I, I, I don't want to get involved in your business or anything like that, but I'm not so sure that that was a, you know, a good, a good thing to do. So anyways, he struggled all last year. He finally fired Claude three or four months ago. He was still struggling trying to find his, um, uh, trying to find his game back. But officially it looks like the Claude Harmon is out of him. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing him up is not just because of Claude Harmon, but he was a mathematical shoe in to play on that president's cup team. Had he kept up form oh. winning at Congaree and everything like that, you know? So, and he did, so he fell he, out of form. He felt really bad out of form. I, I want to say, man, I want to say he missed like 12 or 13 cuts in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And it was, really? was and this that is a guy that was that many. I could be off one or two or three, but it was just a boatload of him shooting 76 or 77. Like I said, we are paired with him with a, a bunch. And I would look at Troy and I'm like, God, this guy's so good. And even Troy would be, I don't understand why these guys come out here and they feel like when they, after they win, like they have to change something, get away from what they already do good. So it was nice to see him get back in form. Um, you know, I didn't mention it on the show. Keegan Bradley always plays good there. I've been paired with him, him, him a few times there. And he had a nice finish. He finished um, fifth place. You know, a lot of the new guys played pretty good. I wouldn't call Nick Hardy a new guy. He finished 
he finished fifth or sixth, you know. He played pretty good as a rookie last year out here, but got hurt. So he, he only played half the events. But, you know, some Corn Ferry Tour guys. Um, I'm going to say Thomas Dietry, who actually has been a force on the European Tour, but is technically a rookie out here. He top 10. Um, the kid whose dad um, uh, is director of golf out here at Shadow Creek. We talked about him as yeah, one of our yeah, players yeah. to watch. Taylor Montgomery yeah. finished third in Napa and came back with a nice, nice ninth um Nice ninth oh, place. Kids playing uh, some golf. Yeah. My Korean that I've been touting, you don't have to ask me his name. All you have to do is say Kim because they're all named Kim. S.H. Kim was in the mix all week long. He had a chance to win. He didn't have a great Sunday, but he finished 13th. And that, that, that's really good. Um, that's really good. Man, I look, for, I look for him to have a big year, this S.H. Kim, man. I can't say – I've told you before, he's not quite Sung Jay, but he's somewhere in between Sung Jay and Siwoo and K.H. Lee. I'm super high on him. I'm super stoked on him. I told you the other guy that I really liked a lot, the, the bomber that's my neighbor, Kyle Westmoreland. He made his first cut. He finished 45th or 50th, but he got a little taste of making some money and, and, and making a weekend right off the bat, which is Bobby, gonna be- I'm going to call that one and, and say this. That is a guy yeah. that once he gets comfortable on the yes. PGA Tour, Come he's going me. to start to run some tournaments together yes. and start to post some yep. numbers. But that's a guy that it's going to take him a little while to get comfortable. You yes. know, there's a, such a thing as teeing off on the first hole, and all of a sudden you don't breathe through your first putt on that yes. first hole, and you're like, holy yes. cow, your caddy has to yeah. start to calm you down a bit and start to realize, hey, you're playing yeah. in a PG Tour event. This is going to happen yeah. a lot this year. He and if you remember, he was the one that at that last tour he finds U.S. Open. I was telling you with that I was paired with, and he made the lead on Friday, and he kind of realized he made the lead. So, and these early golf courses like Napa here, Jackson, Mississippi, they're not really conducive, Matt. To they're not really bomber golf courses. No. So when we you start rolling to not that it'll get any, to Riviera, excuse me. There's burp number two. <laughs> Javier's Mexican food at the Aria. Whoever's listening, <laughs> you may love it. I'm not ever going. I'm never going never back. Never going. So back. funny. I was walking through the Stay casino this morning. Yeah, I was walking through the casino back and forth to go to my to our pro am today, and I'm like, "There's that goddamn Javier's." I couldn't even <laughs> walk by. I had to go all the fucking other way around it, so I wouldn't even see it. Uh, another guy who played okay last week. Um, he he finished 45th, but I was talking about my buddy Eric Barnes, and he was the he was the one who took the job during COVID. Who has the two little boys at home yeah. that went stat shelves at Publix. Um, he finished 45th. It's funny. I was talking to him today. I'm like, man, you played good last week. And he goes, fuck, I finished 45th. He goes, you know, I had a putt late on Sunday. Listen to this. He goes, I had a putt late on Sunday, and he goes, and I fucked myself because I knew if I made this eagle putt, that I was always all of a sudden going to be. T10. He goes, I ran it by like six feet, missed it. And he goes, and then I bogeyed fucking three holes coming in. And here's a guy who's been on the corn ferry tour for eight years, thought he was going to be there forever. I saw him up close in Houston. I'm like, man, this guy is, you know, Bobby Brown's old saying harder to get to the PGA tour than stay on the PGA tour. So he cashed, he cashed a nice, he cashed a nice little check and that's got to give him some confidence coming in here um, this week. Uh, the Dick Alert, the two Dick players. Remember, I picked off two mm-hmm. Dick players at the start of the year. Um, I, made for uh, I was made for this game. <laughs> Brent Graham, good playing, Brent. Seven, eight over. Another miscut. The other one that wears Savage. the beige. <laughs> I was made for this game. Every time he rolled in a yeah, par you putt can, of 30 you, you feet. Can't, that's a lesson yeah. to be learned. He's not going to live yeah. that one down. 
You can't do that out here, no. man. Uh, you can do that at the corn. You, there's guys you can intimidate on the corn ferry tour, that's for sure. But anybody that's been out here, they're 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 on. You know, I, no. But that type of story carries through wow yeah. the rest of yeah. your career. Yeah, and, and I'm it, spreading uh, it. <laughs> I know, no, it, it needs to be spread because my God, yeah. who has such an yeah. ego to say, oh, "I'm right. made for this game." I'm made for this game. <laughs> As yeah. you fist bump like Tiger Woods. <laughs> yeah, you're right, 100. <laughs> percent And then the other one, the super bomber who drove that green at Evansville, Brandon Matthews. He did make the cut and finished 39th or 40th, but he was yeah. But he shot six under the first day. I'll give him credit. But, you know, and, uh, and I saw he did a bunch of interviews and he's like, you know, he didn't say I was paid for this game, but he's very full of himself and very cocky. And I was just put the backtrack button on him after mm-hmm. he was in the mix and I backed him up all the way to 40th place. So it was a good, you know, that Jackson, Mississippi is a good it's a good golf courses, but it just with the scheduling and that kind of stuff, it just doesn't get the caliber of players that it really deserves. And I'm not saying just because it's in Jackson, Mississippi, but a lot of guys will shun away from those heavy Bermuda grainy, yeah. grainy golf courses. It's not, it's not their cup of tea. The practice facilities are okay. They're not great. And it's usually stacked with, it's usually stacked with newer guys or guys that, you know, a lot of guys from the 126 to the 150 that came in. So um, Sam Burns was in the field. Obviously, he probably had a President's Cup hangover, right? He, I watched him on TV the first two days. I think he got to four or five under after a couple Bobby, of days. It's tough to drink as much as, uh, you know, those guys were drinking after yes. the President's Cup win and then come yes. out playing a tournament the following week and actually show up and perform. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, so he didn't really, he didn't really, he was probably the cream of the crop. Um, you know, our guy, our, our ex-guest Lance Bennett had Davis Riley. He is I from Hattiesburg. That. He called he that, he called there. that his, yeah, he's from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So that's like a big tournament for him. But I did, you know, he was in the mix. Well, shit, he shot seven or eight under the first day. He was leading after the first day. And, I saw and Lance I just a, out there getting a oh, lot of Lance TV was, time. Oh, he was just Lance, bouncing around. I mean, oh, he was Lance. he was on his toes. I mean, yeah. he was, well, he's there, on his toes because he gets yelled at all the time from <laughs> Davis. You know, and Lance has still not learned how to. I hope Lance doesn't listen to these. Lance still has a hard time dealing with that kind of personality, and it's always going to be a work in progress. Lance, Lance is just because, so nice, man. Yeah, like yeah, you stand, yeah. Lance, you're nice to a degree, and then you. Stand right. your ground, but Lance, yeah. he just comes across. And when we had the interview with Lance, Lance yeah. is just such a good guy that you're just like, you kind of feel bad if you yell at him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't think Davis probably feels bad about yelling at any cat. He's my cat. My son dealt with it for two years, but Lance is transitioning into that type of personality. But it's funny you say that about Lance and you say that about me. But we're nice out there and that kind of stuff. But I stay with Lance all the time, and he come back to the hotel room and he's fucking living. You know, and he's like, this fucking kid said this and said that to me. And he's shooting me down. And can't this guy just figure out that if you shoot down your caddy, you're killing his confidence. And you might as well have an eight year old caddy for him. So but he had a good showing, Davis. And he is I don't know a lot about anything, but he's probably going to win this year. And when I, it, think, I so. think he's I think he's trying too hard, Matt. You know, you get into that position where you almost made the president. You almost made the tour championship as a rookie, and it puts another uh, set, another amount of pressure on you. And that you know, it's the stuff. killer so, of dreams, Bobby. What is expectations? The, yeah, yeah, expectations. Dreams. Can I tell you, I I am. A, I don't like talking about competitive podcasts because we're not in that league or anything like that. But you know, Colt knows and the sleazy man. The the, the sleazy man had the. They have a great podcast, right? The Subpar podcast. It's fantastic. I do. You love saw Colt. who they're get. 
did you did you see who the guest was yesterday? It was Bones. Yeah. Bones doesn't do very many podcasts or interviews because he's a very private man. But I wanted to hear this because I'm very close with Bones. I've stayed with him. A, I've stayed with him a bunch in the past, and he's he's always he's always got an open ear for guys about questions and that kind of stuff. And he has the best fuck. You think I have stories? Mine are dirt stories. You know what I noticed about listening to Bones? We are two polar opposite people. He would never talk shit about anybody, and I'm completely the opposite. I can't wait to talk shit about somebody but uh, he opened up the podcast he opened up the podcast and i'm going to davis riley in this and hopefully davis pops out of this in a year or two and and he pretty much said in his opening sentence they're at like hey what's it like caddy and what are the players like and that kind of stuff and bones flat out said he goes it didn't take me long to realize out there there are two sets of players matt there are blamers and there are non-blamers mm. when it comes to caddy, when it comes to treating their caddies. And so, so Davis Riley is still in the blamer stage, but, but Bones made a good point. He goes, the non-blamers will probably always have a solid career and they'll make a good amount of money, but they're never going to reach their expectations just because of that. I actually put Sung Jay in that category too, because he's still a blamer stage. And we all know that listen to this podcast and you and I more than anybody else know that it's a it it it's shocking that the Sungjae the way he hits the ball that he doesn't win a minimum of one time a year right oh, he, he's got the game to he's yeah. got the game to win three times a year possibly four and with some of the few of these live guys gone you know possibly five times so when he gets them when he gets over that I mean if he gets over that which is tough for Koreans he, when he gets into the you know, into the non-blamer category. Basically what Bones was saying, the best players in the world, your, your cream of the crop players in the world are not blamers, you know? And he talked about a story with Phil when he started working early with Phil, where Phil was on a seven iron and Bones was convinced that it was a six iron. And, and, and Phil's like, okay, I'm going to hit the six. And he launched it into the hot dog stand over the green. And Bones said he just, it was the longest walk from 190 yards. And he just, felt so horrible and that kind of stuff. And Phil didn't say anything. And Phil sensed that Bones was down on himself. And he stopped Bones in the middle of the fairway. He said, he, he said, Bones, I pulled the club out of the bag. Okay. And Bones goes on to tell you, you don't know how much that of a relief that is, <clears throat> excuse me, for a caddy to hear that because he doesn't get on his heels. I told you numerous times with Sunjay when he would get all over me, I would get on my heels and and shit, I'm not afraid to say it. He would kill my confidence and I would be questioning what I was thinking you know, and I, I, I got a little teetery on making a commitment and having him fully committed and that kind of stuff. So you know what it is, I Bobby? Thought, it is what? the relationship. And a lot of players don't understand this because they think they're the boss. They think they're the CEO of the company, right? Yeah. I'm in control. I'm the one playing. I'm the one hitting the golf shots. You're the caddy. You work for me, right? There's a right. little bit of that yeah. mentality. Sure However, yeah. what they don't realize is that you're a team. And that yeah. your yeah. mindset, your confidence is going to relate to how well they play and yes. that they need to build you up at the same yes. time. And that, yeah. yes, you're like the board of directors who's providing them with all the appropriate information. And then it's up to them to make the decision. Yeah, they, they are the one that makes the decision. At they the sign the, the dotted line. They get the facts and they saw it and That's they exactly sign the dotted right. line. Yeah. And, and I think I, if more players understood that they would have a better career and a better relationship and end up having better performance results because yes. of Yes. Yeah. So, and some guys never get that, you know, no, they, they make maturity. that one point. Yeah. It's maturity for sure. And some guys, you know, 
some guys never get that. I mean, Grillo, Emiliano Grillo had it was was trying to win this tournament uh, last week. I don't know if you happen to catch any of it on TV. And he got over to this pretty, I wouldn't say it's a simple par, par five, but it's 13 or 14 on the back. It's kind of hittable. And I think from the middle of the fairway, he ended up making an eight or a nine. But I was watching his antics with his caddy. So, and here's a guy that's won on tour that's been out there for, for nine or 10 years, you know. So that that dynamic, you know, either you're a blamer or you're not, you're, you're excuse me, or if you're or you're a not non-blamer. So, you know, the non-blamers are the cream of the crop. Max Home is a non-blamer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Joe makes a mistake or something like that, and Max Max is calming him down, like a, like a caddy would calm a player down after a mistake. So, well, how that's many good. times did we ever see Tiger go after fluff? Never. Or... And Bones, that, that yeah. was Bones' big thing, too. He's like, you never heard Tiger say, you know, they made mistakes all the time. You know, you, they, they just do. It just happens. doesn't matter if you're the greatest to play the game of all time. But you think about it, if you went down the list of all the greatest players and all the current greatest players, there's never really any stories. Justin Thomas with Bones, Justin Thomas with Jimmy Johnson. You I know, love they just that never story, blame too, him. between Bones and uh, JT when he first caddied for him the, and there were the no first fans. Hole. Yeah. yeah, you listen to it. You yeah, listen oh, to of it, course man. I did, yeah. Bobby. Yeah, I do I my. Thought, here's the thing. I normally does do my research. Tell a story, like, <laughs> except for just, I know you do. <laughs> I scribble down notes. You got it all dedicated to memory. But Bones, nobody tells a, tells a story like Bones, right? But he's so classy, unlike me. He's so classy that he doesn't tell you the real dirt or the real scoop on on the real. Yeah, but shit. people want the real. That's a thing. Yeah, they do. Our crew definitely does. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Our crew definitely does. But I did, I did, I was cracking up at that story. And, and we don't need to go into it, but our pe- people, we don't want to send anybody the competitive way to watch a podcast. But these cold nose podcasts are pretty, he gets no, some more. No, but Subpar Golf, I mean, yeah. they're fantastic. Yeah. I love Call. And they're, they're like, I love Stacey like, Man. Yeah, they're like family to you. They're out yeah. there. You see them. You know, they're Scottsdale guys, and they're, they're out there, and that, that's their crew. But um, uh, let's tell our people, they probably, if they want to listen to a good podcast, listen that, to Bob. That's a good one. The stories he tells about how cat, the caddy evolution and staying six guys in a room. And what, what I really enjoyed about him was, even though he's been out here 20-some years, and, and let's face it, he's a borderline celebrity, Bones, right? He gets noticed by everybody. He gets I, I've flown on planes before, and he gets harassed in airports. Like, he was a player or something like that, and he's very cordial, and he's very nice to everybody, but his stories are just um, fantastic, just fantastic. Bobby, we do, have you another... have, do you have the kahunas to invite him onto the Pull Hook Golf Podcast? Yeah, I don't think he would. I, don't, I think he's so big. I guess I do have the kahunas. To do yeah, something like see, that, Bobby's but it would ask him. He's going to ask him, but it's probably going to be a no because we're unfiltered. Because yeah. he's a little I, bit buttoned up when it comes to yeah, the stories and stuff. Yeah, he is a little bit buttoned up, but I'm not afraid to ask anybody anything. But I'm afraid with his schedule. You know, I do know. I I do know that he told me. He, I'm like, you don't do podcasts or anything. He goes, oh, Colt's been bugging me for two years. So it finally took two years for him to do the Colt podcast. It's day one now, Bobby. I know I'll get to work, man. You're really putting some pressure on me. You're getting ready. For, you're getting me ready for game day tomorrow. Thursday game day tomorrow. Hey, we had another tournament last week that the uh, the Dunhill, which is uh, the European Tour version of our Pebble Beach Pebble Beach AT and T Pro Am, where you play with an amateur. Obviously, Rory plays with his dad. Terrell Hatt played with his dad. It's the creme de la creme. A very successful, wealthy businessman and celebrities that play over there. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Fox, if you know anything about Foxy, he's a super bomber. He hits at 330, 340 yards. Um, everybody over here knows who he is. He comes over and gets a spot in a memorial every year. Doesn't really do, doesn't really do great, but, um, 
you know, he, he did great last week. You know, a super, a super bomber who's got things going can really overpower St. Andrews. You ever play St. Andrews, man? If you had a chance to go, I haven't been over. So my good buddy, Sean Clark, he is from St. Andrews. And he tells me all the time, we got to get over. We got to get over. So Bobby, we need to make a trip and get over. I know. Oh man, we could do it. We could go do it. We could go do a run over there. My point is it's not very long, right? It's never been like, they've never changed it. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. It's probably 67, 6,800 yards, but probably, man, honestly, probably plays a lot shorter because it's never wet out there. I mean, they get wetness, but those fairways have been there for a hundred. Yeah. It just goes forever. So hats off to him. He shot, he shot 15, he shot 15 under. He got a W the biggest. Well, you, you know what, you know, Rory finished 66, 66 to finish fourth. I I know. I love media because they love to say that Rory falls short yet again at seniors. It's like Rory fucking came storming back with 266. He shot 75. (laughs) Did you hear what happened on day two over there is they turned it into a shotgun. They had to do. Oh, I didn't um, know that. They did a shotgun. It's three different courses, right? It's the nasty, it's Carnoustie and it's St. Andrews and a place called Kings Barnes. So oh, Kings they basically, Barnes. yeah, we got to do that. Speaking one. of hurricanes, they basically, <laughs> they had a hurricane come over their way. So they shot everybody off on, on round two. And I, I talked to some guys, you know, via text message who said it was the most brutal weather to ever play golf in everywhere. I mean, you had Thomas Peters shot 83 and 83 one day, who's a world-class player and great he shot, golf he shot, swing. Yeah. Oh my God. Unbelievable. University of Illinois. You knew he was going to be great, but he's another blamer, right? He's a blamer. He's in the oh, blamer yeah. category and he should, a guy goes 83, 66, you know, that, that should show you. My point is, is that Rory shot 75 in the, in the shit. And I think he might've been at Carnoustie, which is probably the toughest one to play that St. Andrews when it's really pumping. Like, uh, I mean, do, would, would you think Kings Barn isn't Kings Well, St. Andrews would be the one you could get yeah. on a docile day, right? That's the one you can go low at. Uh, Carnoustie, you can get a little bit. I always thought Kings Barnes you could get, you know? Okay. I, I, yeah, I always thought you could get Kings Barn, but he, he really shooting 75 wasn't a, wasn't, wasn't a bad round, but he, it's not like he was one or two back with a few holes to go, like you said about the media, but he yeah. did finish 66, 66. Had to be great to have his dad. He plays with his dad there every single year. That's so close. Um, I love yeah. That. He finished, he finished, he finished fourth. Um, cause, uh, some of the live guys did not play good. Taylor Gooch missed the cut very badly. They're over there chasing world ranking Come on, points. Gooch. <laughs> yeah, Taylor, shut up, dude. Once and for all, get your wife another lip job. Jesus Christ. Why did you have to do that anyway? She was gorgeous. She was, she was Bobby Brown's most beautiful PGA Tour wife. And now yeah, you're it's all you, fucked you, up. You were high on that one. Um, a couple of them did play good. No surprise, Louis Oosterhazen, who, who, who dominated. Louis, I'm going to get into a story about 18 now that I yeah. thought about it there. Louis Oosterhazen finished 10th. Peter Uline, you're high on Peter Uline. You, I think you're on. I want my titleist deal. You're on. Yeah, <laughs> you're on to something, kid. I've got he some connections nice... here. I'm, I'm a degree of separation away. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you more ads on your connection. <laughs> um, uh, he had a nice week. He finished tenth over there. He played on the European Tour forever, so he was certainly ready for those conditions and we had touched before when i i told you the early years i worked for kyle stanley and dustin and kyle stanley was a top three player and he always told me that there were two guys in a field he knew he had to beat and it was dustin johnson and peter uline so maybe peter uline is doing that max Homa thing that you were just talking about so, where it's six yeah. to eight years of, of 
coming into his own and getting his confidence and, and knowing how to do things properly. So great showing, great showing to him. I was going to tell you, um, uh, um, Alex Noren finished tied for tied for second. So everybody knows 18 at St. Andrews is this epic hall where the whole, the, you know, the street runs down, the street runs down the side and all the buildings and people, and you can watch 18 and not have to have a ticket or anything. You just lean over the rail. Well, I, when the year that Louis Oosterhazen won it, I want to say it was in 2010 when he dominated everything. Dustin was playing great. We're standing on the 18th tee. We're paired with uh, Nick Watney. And we are solo third at the time, right? Now, one person has hit a – I knew this already before we even hit the tee shot. Now, one person had hit a ball out of bounds on 18. And Dustin got up there, and it was a little downwind. And I'm like, holy shit, we're not going to win. But Dustin, it's easy. Dustin had three wood. He can hit three wood on that green and maybe roll in an eagle and make a birdie, and we can finish tied for, tied for second. And he, this fucker hits a drive that's so far fucking right of the world. And it hits the building out there and starts ping-ponging around, you know. And we're like, oh, my God. Dustin's like, Bob, I just hit it out of bounds, bro. Give me a ball. And I'm like, oh, my God. He just hit it out of bounds. I got to give him a ball. So he ends up making bogey or something like that. We still finished seventh or ninth. It was a great week. But my story I'm going to is is Alex Norton. I've been paired, played, been paired with him a lot. He hasn't won over here. But he's a fucking shot maker, right? He's got that funky routine. You've seen his routine where he he's does all this shit. He's won a lot shit. in Europe, though. Pay ton in Europe. I'm going to say he's won probably 11 to 13 times in Europe. I, I, I think golf it's in a, Europe it's is a, very different than golf here in America. Just yeah. for our listeners, and, and, and I know we have been, some international yes. listeners too, but it yeah. is. It's very, very different from international golf to all of a sudden coming over to America. Everything's yeah. in the air over here. Everything's on the yeah. ground over there. You said it perfectly. You said it perfectly. So, and he's just, when you get paired with Alex Norton, he's a shot maker. He's one of those guys that can keep it high, can keep it medium, can keep it low. You know, those European tour guys have the advantage of keeping it low when they catch those, mm-hmm. those, you know, every once in a while conditions out here. My point was, is I was watching on TV and he was, he was in third or fourth place and he fucking airmails went right out of bounds and it hits the building. And you see those buildings that are hundreds oh, of years old. It hits the building, kicks back on in uh, across into play onto the green for like 20 feet for Eagle. So the first thing I went through my mind was, oh, that couldn't have happened with fucking Dustin. But my point is, is he finished in T2, I think. And now that's marched him into well inside the top 50 of, mm. of the world ranking. So it looks like he's going to, it's just a little side story. He could yeah. have a chance to be mathematically locked into these majors. So, so you know, great two tournaments. Um, we're here in Vegas. I don't have my TV, my, t- my screen pointed no, to the outside. It's time for the Shriners Children's Open. I mean, yeah. it's our upcoming kind of insights. Yeah. And uh, Bobby, I mean, you were yeah. out there today. Granted, mm-hmm. not in 100% health. Let's Last put it this two days. way. You, yeah. you got out there today. Probably, I would put you, after talking to you this morning, I don't know how you rallied so hard, but this goes to the legend have to. of Bobby have to. Brown, the, the yeah. caddy. Because, my God, were you a gamer? I even said... So I told you at, I think I text you at 5.15 in the morning, and I go, Bobby, mm-hmm. if you need me to come up and caddy for Troy today, <laughs> I will drive up to Vegas, and I will make that happen for you. That's my dedication to you as my partner in crime and pull hook golf. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, you're like, I'm rallying, bro. I'm not throwing Troy I, you know, under the I have that to. hard. I, I felt... Um, I felt absolutely horrible. I know it was going to, the heat was going to get me down. I hadn't been able to get any food down. I was living on ginger ale and 
some electrolyte drinks and that kind of stuff. But for some reason, when I get sick and I've only had food poisoning two or three times, um, it's miserable. We all know it's miserable. It's the worst feeling in the world. 24 hours. Um, It's awful. Yeah. But I just feel like sometimes when I don't feel good, I got to get outside. I feel like I get, I feel better Mm. if I get outside, you know, I get some fresh air and I get the body moving and that kind of stuff. Plus I needed to see the front side again. Plus my man needs me out there. You know, my man needs me. So I I rallied up. I would have been left for hell if I ended up driving up and caddying for him. I'd be like Troy, what do I do here? Yeah, <laughs> you put the bag on the right side of the tee. <laughs> I feel completely lost. It's you like the first like time I've ever done this before. <laughs> and keep in the back of your mind that Troy's played here for ten years in a row, and he's going to be just fine. Just I'm like, oh Troy, I'm not it. allowed to actually like line it, line you up from behind. No, <laughs> like they got rid of that because of the LPG tour. Oh God, yeah. my hey, bad. can I get a shot on this part three? <laughs> oh, there's Play no green the books. How am I supposed to read a green? <laughs> He would have done it for you. So we played, we actually, I'll back up. We played, well, I'm going to back up even more. This, like I, I, I was going over it. They regrassed this golf course in Bermuda. What is it grown into? It's Bermuda. It's Bermuda out here. So they didn't overseed you know? yet? Uh, for this tournament? No, there's no, no, there's no overseed. It's, it looks you like sure? it's Bermuda. Well, Jesus oh, Christ, I'm not feeling good. Bobby. No, it's Bermuda. Head to tell. I, I mean, I walked it. I walked we played nine holes yesterday. I mean, we're, out, we're going through it out here in Arizona. Everybody's overseeding to ryegrass and hybrids and so yeah. forth. Not I here. Feel like it's Vegas all, is the same way, no? No, it's not for for one reason. Man, I'm going to look like an idiot if I'm wrong, but I know the difference when oh, that that nice new overseed comes in. It's all it's all Bermuda. I don't know if their schedule is a little different than yours, but are they doing this like a all Bermuda brand. hybrid though? Like, is it a different yeah, texture than like down it's in Mississippi? It's not like Zoysia, but it's a it's a little different. It's a little different looking. The greens aren't super grainy, but when when I say Bermuda, I know what Bermuda fairways are. I know what Bermuda fairways are, and maybe they have they're a little Zoysia-ish, but it's full on Bermuda in the rough, and we have a little oh, bit gotcha. of rough okay. this year, and it's that kind of sinky. It's yep. kind of sinky that sinky to the bottom. So they closed the course down about nine months ago and re surfaced everything head to toe it's the same golf course they maybe widened a couple greens um you know and made a couple a couple more pin positions on a couple holes but strategy is not going to change we're, we're just trying to figure out are the greens settled are they bouncing and that kind of stuff and they look they don't look great but you know we're, we're used to playing a bounce and a run out here in the past especially as the weekend comes and it gets baked out because you know it's 90 to 95 degrees and it can get super windy here in the afternoon. It's not projected to do it this year. Um, so we're so we're kind of getting our feet wet on how the greens are reacting because, you know, I've been here probably 12 or 13 years in a row, and I'm not tuning my own horn, but there is a big – There's a, but for people that don't know in Vegas, if you come and play this this course, find where the stratosphere is here in, down on the strip because there is a massive fault of the stratosphere, and I see it every year. I see it every practice on every hole, you know, and I've worked for players who – have asked me to come in and read pots or ask me about speed and I'm telling them what I think and they think that I'm coming from fucking left field, but I've seen these pots and these breaks for so many times and, and you no, know, 90% of the shit moves to the stratosphere. So we're just trying to figure out the grass. We're trying to figure out the grasses here. And, same, and I don't, same thing ahead. when you come to TPC Scottsdale and yeah. play race management, well, everything goes down yeah. to downtown Phoenix downtown, and, and everybody thinks you're it. nuts. No, Everybody looks at you true. and they're like, dude, I've this is not it, breaking it, it, yeah. down that way. And it's like, no, it, everything it breaks does. towards downtown Phoenix. Yeah. 
And it's funny. And I know that I've been there 15 years in a row. I know that too. And I've worked for players before that still don't buy into that theory. And they look at you like you're crazy. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, downtown's over there. And they're like, what does that have to do with it? And uh, you think to yourself, you're like, you played here for fucking 10 years, man. And and you've watched on TV how many years before that. And and that's all they ever talk about is that pull. So we got a good look at the golf course. My man looks good. We did not play here good last year. I don't know if I told you, but last year, the first round we shot, Two or three, uh, two or three over on number two. We drove one down the middle. Um, people aren't familiar with this hole. We, he kind of pulled a little nine iron and got into the backside of a bunker, and he made a double bogey, and he made another another bogey after that. And you know, you got to shoot minimum two under here a day. It's probably more like three under a day because yeah. the cut here wants to go to, and I think it'll be even less this year. The cut goes here to five or six. It'll never go to seven under. It's but a it's probably gettable be golf a, course. Yeah, you can make a ton of birdies, but Matt, you know what I love about this course is this is one of those ones that I tell you don't all play very often where with five holes to go, you can be five off the lead and you have a par three and you have a drive, very drivable par four. You have a very hittable par five, another par three, and you're slinging a wedge into 18. So that's always exciting when something, when something like that happens, but it's in great shape. Uh, the reason why they made the changes is because it's a very resort course. When people want to come here, you know, when they're partying or booze or whatever, they everybody loves to play golf. So, and when you get those kind of courses, people are fucking driving their golf carts up next to the. They don't give a shit, right? You're they're driving oh, their yeah. carts they're, up right they're next to the green. They're tromping it right onto the green. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of lows and runoffs and closely mown areas if you miss these greens. And you know, it's not a tough driving course, but there are canyons and desert like where you live and that kind of stuff. And there, you could hit a certain third of the fairway, like a right side of the fairway that's sloping to the desert. And it was so firm and fast from all the carts. You know, you could land one in what you think is a, a good spot and we could trickle into the desert, into the shit. So we have a little more grass. So uh, hopefully things go look good. My man looked good. We played super early tomorrow morning. We always try and match up tee times because we figure we'll get a 7 a.m. is tee time, which we do tomorrow at 7.49. So we'll play one nine holes matching up to that tee time to see how the ball's flying because you are at 26, 2700 feet of elevation. Oh, here. yeah. And I the, mean, you're going to have the an ball extra fucking five moves. to 10 yards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I go 5%. I'll start. I, I don't do anything early in the morning, well, but it's 69 to 70. That's too much math for me, Bobby. You're yeah, than well, I am. Yeah, it's habit. My, my nine-year-old did not inherit it. He's struggling in math right now. So, But we'll get that. Him and it's I Montessori will. school. They do math at B. What is 5% I'm, of 150 yards? Uh, of seven and a half yards. Oh, wow. See, that's really yeah. good. That's really yeah. good. And, and you know how my brain does it? 10% is 15 yards, and I knock off half. It's funny. Uh, I don't have a lot, but see, I can do really this good. shit. That's I can do tip. this shit. Yeah, that's a tip. Yeah, or you could carry a calculator <laughs> or a grid with you or something like Bobby, that. I don't quick know. question for you, because yeah, I know go. the audience is going to want to know this, because you brought oh it up last week. What? Okay. You talked about Troy's putter. Is there a new putter in the bag? I won. Yes! What did we did what it. Got? We got an odyssey. That he actually it was not the backup that he used that he carried around with him for 20 weeks last year that never had the head cover came off. It was it's Odyssey. We we were down. I had dinner with him when he got into town. He got in late. And he's like, hey, "Come down, let's grab a pizza." And so I and I'm like, I'm uh, I'm like, uh, how many putters did you bring with you? You know, I didn't want to say it, but I'm like, how many putters did you bring with you? And he never gives me the right answer. He goes, "I didn't bring any." And I go, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "I'm putting with my hybrid this week, Bob. It's so bad. I'm putting with my hybrid." And I'm like, "That's funny." So we got to the course um, the next morning. He brought the bag out of the locker room, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's a fucking Odyssey head cover right there." And it and it's um, it? I don't even know what the model is. It's got a little bit is of a, it slant. a blade putter. 
Yeah, it is. It's a blade. We're out of Bobby, that little. I was going to throw out there because he's a Tuttleist guy. And yeah. because we talked about the fact that, and, and by the way, he's spot on with what he told yeah. you about that it comes off hot off of the face. Yeah. And it does. When mm -hmm. you're used to yeah. an insert, it yes. like, but I will say this. Yes. The potter yeah. that Homa uses and Justin Thomas uses, the X5 yeah. or the X5.5, yeah. I don't yeah. know exactly yeah. which one those guys are using. Yeah. I've got the X5.5, and I've been a Scotty yeah. Cameron guy, and I've also yeah. been a Ping Answer guy. And yeah. literally when I switch to this, it has that soft touch of like mm. it doesn't fly off of the face. Yeah. It actually has some yep. give to it. So it feels more like an insert putter because of yeah. how they're using different metals. So just I'm just throwing it out there as maybe well, I'll, something I'll, I'll down the I'll tell you about road, a little. But, I, I will, but that's a different style putter. Those are those bigger putters that he's never You know, used but I before. went from a, bra a, a blade to that, right. and I right. felt that it had a good transition because the top yeah. line looks like a blade, but then you have the extra weight to go inside yeah. to it. So, yes, I, I get your point. Lag putting, <laughs> it's going to be a little yeah. different. Well, I, I, I'm going to touch on. I, I'm going to tell you this quick little Odyssey story, and then I'm going to you. I, and then I'm going to touch on how sharp these putting reps are out here. Like Joe Tulin, who does the Tulin Garage putters for Odyssey. And, Odyssey wants and to Scott, kill me right now. Well, I mean, hey, they, you know, they, it's there's putter wars, right? There's put, it's putter wars out here. It's it's people don't know it, but when you you have the when those bags, those Scotty Cameron bags are sitting out there, the Odyssey bags or. Uh, Bet Nardi or or whatever you know whatever powder manufacturers are out there you know they got reps out there and these fucking reps are smart right they know what everybody is putted with the week before what their normal go to is they know if they had a shitty week putting or a non shitty week they are professionals at their job so I'm gonna dip into a little Scotty Cameron story here in a minute but I was super stoked to see this this um, Odyssey putter come out and then I had to go put a couple extra clubs in his locker room because we usually play. Um, uh, we'll usually play our practice rounds with 16 clubs. You know, we'll keep, mm. you know, we'll go all the way driver three with hybrid, two iron, three iron, four iron, all the way back. And he can get down the bag and he carries three wedges. And then we play for two days and we decide what to, what to pull and what not to pull, depending yeah. on the conditions and the wind and, and, and tee shots. This one's pretty simple. We always pull the two or the three iron and then we keep the hybrid in because we hit it to some of the par, into the, some of the par fives. But I got my way. He brought a new putter. He used it a bunch last week. He said he fleeced a couple members over there and, and made some pots. And we played nine holes yesterday morning with Robert Streb, our best buddy. And excuse me, there's burp number three. And I'm getting feeling better though. And he made a couple birdies. He didn't make any bogeys. And then he made five birdies on the front today. Um, five birdies on the front today. So last year I told you we shot 73 or 74 the first uh, the first day. And then we shot 65 on Friday. to end up missing the cut by two. But he did finish the right way. But we got the new putter. And, hey, you know my saying, new putter, new attitude. And he spent a lot of time on the putting greens with the, the stroke. Um, the stroke looks the stroke looks really good. I know Joe Tulin was out there with him. You know, the Odyssey guy who makes the putters, Tulin Garage. And he liked everything that he saw with the putter. And this is a putter that Troy used for out here for a couple of years. He didn't win with it, but he was, he had a couple of good years and it was just, it was time to make a change. But, but let's get to the Scotty Cameron rep, how sharp mm. he is, is that I'm standing there with him and they give us those putting discs, those chipping discs, like circle T, you know, you throw them on there. You, you, have you seen, you know what they are? They're the plastic, they're plastic, uh, disc that that if i'm let's say i'm working a practice round and i want to put the whole locations in from the it's previous be the year perfect speed well well no it's just cup, it, no? it's a target for them to putt too much corners okay. in corners of the green so i asked the scotty cameron rep and i'm like hey do you got a couple of discs and not the the, the everybody wants the circle t discs right be yeah. because 
because they're circle T and they're cool and they hang well, on the bag they're, and there's some cat. They're yeah. worth money. Yeah, I mean, you know what he was telling me that they sell they sell it's a little plastic fucking rubber yeah. disc that has Scotty Cameron Circle T, and he's like, man, these things sell for like the minimum is seventy five bucks on eBay, and I'm like, well, just because it's Scotty, but I like the regular white ones that just say Titleist because if my guy's chipping to these things from thirty yards away, it's easy. The Scotty's things are always colored, right? They look really super cool, but the Titleist ones that are just the stock Titleist ones, I'm gonna send you some. I got a bunch. Yes. I'll send you some. Remind Perfect. me of that. I'll send you something. I love and anyways, so, so yeah, who doesn't? Right? You <laughs> should have came and caddy today because you like free shit like the rest of us. So um, I, I go, hey, you got a couple discs? He goes, I'll go back to the trailer. I go, I don't want the Scotty Cameron ones. He goes, whoa, I don't hear that very often. I go, I want just the regular white Titleist ones. And he goes, hey, come here for a sec. He goes, he goes, I, when did he bring the Odyssey out? This is the Scotty Cameron rep. He's fucking already knows, yep, right? He got it. And, and and I go, I, you know, we had been strong. And he goes, oh, yeah, I've been paying attention to that kind of stuff. And we started talking about their putters. And he goes, well, hey, what do you think about me throwing, putting something in front of him? I go, no, 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 not this week. You know, let's let him focus on this odyssey. I love He's that you're the gatekeeper to that. Yeah. That but I've got to watch my P's and Q's. Yeah. I just, I'm just the liner, right? It's like you go to the car dealership to buy the car, right? And I'm the liner and I'm the... I'm the one selling the car and then Troy's the closer and he comes in and he closes the deal or whatever. And, and I go, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I talked to, uh, to Troy about your putters before and he's tried your putters before, but he just feels like they come off a little fast. They that do. yes, putter you use forever in the Odyssey, you know, they're softer. And he goes, I got great news. He goes there. We just did. A, I, I, there's a Terillion putter that came out with the neck and Troy that kind of likes. He said he got the first one last week and he took it home um, and he hit some putts with himself because they wanted to go that way with a little softer insert. And I think he said it side milled or something like that. I didn't understand what he was saying. He goes, it comes off a little softer. Well, the terrillium goes, do does think? because it's an insert. Yeah, 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 exactly. But he said something about the milling on the terrillium putter. He goes, I think he would like it. It comes off softer. And a lot of our staff t- tested it out. Before they bring things out, they got guys – there's good players that work at Scotty and they go out and play with them and they say yay or nay if they like them or not. So, yeah. so he goes, what do you think about me running a covert operation at CJ cup in a couple of weeks? I'll see how he puts this week, mm-hmm. you know, in Vegas and he's playing in Japan um, next week. And I'm going to have one made up for him and bring it, maybe put it in front of his face. And I'm like, and his punny coach was standing right there. You know, he didn't really, wasn't paying attention to the conversation. And I'm like, yeah, that would be a good idea. Cause see, Troy, I'm thinking the same no, thing. There's no Absolutely. cut and dry with Troy. Like they come up and ask him about putters all the time and he'll just shine them up. No, I'm good. You know, and they, and they take the hint, but they're relentless because they know their stuff. So, so we'll see how it goes the next two weeks, but maybe he'll give this little Scotty. That's not a bad idea, but also I'm telling you the X5, X5.5, I'm just saying, because I've been a blade putter my entire life and I I could never Mm -hmm. go to the TaylorMade Spider. I've tried it. Yeah. Can't use it. It just doesn't feel right to me. There's too much Mm -hmm. weight to it, but that, that, X5 Something to think about. 5. I mean, it looks like yeah. a blade, but because it's got the two sides to it that kind of yeah. look like fangs, it, uh, yes. it just has yeah. a different look and feel to yeah. it that feels more like a blade, even though it's yeah. weighted so that it stays a little bit more consistent, easier to line yeah. up. Just saying. I personally love those putters because I... Listen, I'm just an at your average hustling six, but I can fucking roll the pill. And I know that I'm a, I, I know that I'm a good putter. And it's funny is that I've always used the same two ball white hot forever, 
but I go to putters like that when I'm fucking around on the putting green and hit some pots. And I love those putters. And the reason why I love those putters is because if I put a, if I, if I put a Scotty, if I put a Scotty in front of me, your standard Scotty in front of me, it's fucking feels wavy taking it back. I can't, yes. the way yes, it's weighted, exactly. I, I, it just feels a little outside. That's a little normally inside, how I know but, my technique is a little flawed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's why they make these other putters though. Right. That's because correct. Other putters that you're it's just steady. Starting, you know, a little, they're a little balanced differently and, and, and I have a pretty slow stroke coming, coming back, you know, and it's just like, man, I can't take this thing offline. So that's something to, that's something yeah, to think just about something, in the future. Just, just something to, I'm just playing yeah. the seed now, but now we get into our conversation because obviously Ooh. I'm going to have to send a text message to the GM over at uh, TPC Summerlin just to confirm for you what grass is actually seated right now. Oh, I, go I don't ahead. Know I'm if, usually not wrong on these things. I don't know if he's going to get back to me because he always tells me he's like, when it comes to and I, I want to say he's been there now for two for two years for two okay. of the Shriners Opens, and he's just like, and he was at the wind for a long time, and then when wind mm-hmm. came back, he came back to him. Um, so that's how. Anyways, the okay, entire I'm going to say this. Yep. There's no there's no overseed for sure. There's no overseed, but it is going to be some kind of hybrid Bermuda that he's going to tell you. That's going to be what my I, answer I is. bet you that that is absolutely accurate because yeah. it's not just standard Bermuda. It's got to be a hybrid of some sort. Yeah. That's going to deal yeah. with the heat well, and they planted it early yeah. and resurfaced everything. They probably skinned everything and then really yes. took the time over that nine yeah. months to put in the, a yeah. different type of turf. Well, thank God they didn't change all the sprinkler heads because usually when they reskin a golf course like that, they change all the sprinkler heads and the drainage and that kind of stuff. And then as a caddy, you're fucked, you know, because you got to go. And and depending on how soon they got the grass done, sometimes sprinkler heads aren't marked. You got to walk all the way around. But you know, there's a there's a certain group of caddies, uh, you know, they get out there early in the week, like maybe some corn fairy tour guys and that kind of stuff who might have got in on a Sunday who will go out there and mark all the sprinkler heads. So. So, um, so we're good in that department. Um, Bobby, what about, yeah. are you a Vegas guy now? Okay. We talked well, about this or Bangkok now you, you yeah, mm. I, I want, I want to get your take Wait, on you, this. Which place is more dangerous if okay, I'm going never, to go out with a bunch of guys and take a golf trip, which by the way, I've done it to Vegas numerous times, but I want your take. Do you think snake poison and potentially some of the nightlife out of Bangkok or is it going to be the casinos and the nightlife in Vegas? I think, to me, I've never been to Bangkok, Thailand. I've seen the movies, of course, that you're, you're referencing. The good old I know some, one and two. I, I know some creepy shit goes on over there with the little trannies and 14-year-old boys <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And, um, uh, um, uh, oh, man, I'm going to talk some shit about Pat Perez's caddy H. He used to be my best buddy, but now we're not really that close anymore. And But he used to take these sneaky little one-week trips over to Thailand. Everybody's like, I'm like, I can't get a hold of H. And Mike Perez would be like, oh, he's over there in Thailand. And I'm like, oh, he's been over Mikey. there for like, yeah. <laughs> he's over there in Thailand. And I'm like, well, is he doing plan A or is he doing plan B? Because I don't really agree with either of them. So to me, I think it would be fucking Vegas because there's a lot of vices around here, right? There's a lot of, I was, it's funny where I was driving back with his coach and I'll share some honest stories about me personally in Vegas, like in my early 20s with the, the marching powder and oh, drinking yeah. for three days and that kind of stuff. And after two or three Just days. storming of, through the night. 
just storming through the night, you know, cocaine's not bad for you. Uh, alcohol's not bad for you. <laughs> you know, that was my, I'm 58 now. And, and but when I was 22 and 23, I really got after it. And I'm glad I did it at that age in my life. And that, and I wasn't the opposite where now I would be doing it at this age. Because now that shit scares the shit out of me personally, to tell you the truth. But this is Sin City, baby. There's a lot of bad shit happens here. You know, I think this is the most... I think this is the most dangerous place. There were times when I first started caddying that there were certain players that are big, huge gamblers and big, huge drinkers. And you could just see when they rolled up on Thursday that they were still fucked up from, from earlier in the week. So my vote is I think Vegas is a more So I'm going to go place. with you on the more dangerous is Vegas because of the casinos. Because Vegas yes. has it down pat. You still can't yeah. prove that they're pumping oxygen into the casinos, which we all know is what is taking yeah. place because yes. you've never felt more like, let's put it this way. You've never felt more energized than sitting at a table for 24 hours because there's no lights that are creeping into the casino. There's no clocks in the casino and that's yeah. by design and they're pumping in fresh oxygen and I know they deny it, but my God, Bobby. Yeah. Like dangerous. It just is full danger. And they just they take your money left and right. But Bangkok is dangerous for another reason. I mean, you got snake poison that you can accessibly just go out and drink and see, is it my day? Am I gonna drink yeah. this snake poison? And am I gonna have a problem with it or am I gonna have a great time? I don't right. know. So, and then right. you got Mike Tyson tattoos on the side of the face, just like in Hangover <laughs> 2. You got monkeys out there <laughs> yeah. that are just creeping around trying to claw yeah. at your face because they're right. not as nice as what they look like. And I love <laughs> right. monkeys. I'm a big monkey fan. It was are my favorite you? animal growing up. Is it? Oh, they I, I love out. little monkeys. Snakes, on the other hand, can't do me snakes. Either. If I see a snake, me I freak either. out. It's my me biggest either. enemy. It is the me thing too. that I am most fearful of. Something without arms and legs that can attack yeah. you just freaks yeah. me the fuck out, Bobby. Right. It's not right. natural. I don't believe that it's natural. Right. Nobody's going to convince me that this should be a, a right. household pet. So if you're a big right. snake owner, I apologize, but yeah, I am not no fucking shit. coming over, okay? So yeah. with that said, after watching uh -huh. Hangover 1 and 2, I am yeah. going to say, but I also saw some of these clips from Live Golf about this golf course. And you know what I'm going to fucking love about this week of Live Golf? That they're only going to have 100 people a day watching? Well, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but no. No, I am going to love the fact that this course was built literally and became available this year in 2022. Right. Those greens are going to be firm as fuck. And that's yeah. why I'm going to love seeing these guys hitting golf shots off of concrete. And I yeah. don't know if they have some technology over there in Bangkok, Thailand, that we don't have here in America. But, like, if a new golf course goes in over here in the States, those greens yeah. are rock solid for two years. Yeah. They yes, take time sure. to they settle settled. in. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, like, for instance, they, they state that this, this golf course opened in 2022, right? I read we don't that. know how long that it had been like. Maybe they closed it down for the first two years of making it. So I have no idea around that. But I'm hoping that these greens are rock solid and that the amateurs yeah. get to feel those shots and get to see those shots 
that mm. these guys are hitting and just bouncing off of greens. That would be great to me. Um, but it was a classy operation going on over there, which means there's a lot of money being spent. And when there's a lot of money being spent, there's danger. I mean, Pete yeah. Diddy and the notorious B.I.G. said it the best. Mo money, mo problems. And if you're in Bangkok, yeah. Thailand, and you have the type of money and you love blow, just like DJ Pat Perez and so forth, then you are <laughs> going to have a very difficult time over there because there's a yeah. lot of temptations. And yeah. that's why I'm sitting here going, hmm. You know, I would have gone with Vegas because I played professional golf on the Butch Harmon Vegas tour. Yeah, and you were just struggling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I was at the, the club on a nightly basis. Up. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting because part of that, we ended up editing out of that episode. But yeah, okay, I, I, was, I was at Club Light a lot. And that's where yeah. Tiger was partying, got into his troubles. We used yeah. to see him all the time. Actually, one of my good friends who had access to, he's the one that got us the tables at Club Light and everything. It was, Bobby, this story, I don't share this often. So I'm going to share it tonight. All of a sudden, at Club Light, you used to have a walkway and another walkway that collided to the men's bathroom in the corner. Mm -hmm. And my God, did we, we were sitting at the table and we watched our buddy who, he was probably weighing in at close to 275. Big, big uh -huh. kid, okay? And all of a sudden, you see Tiger walking for the bathroom and he's walking for the bathroom. And mm -hmm. next thing you know, you see the two of them just collide. It's like it mm -hmm. happened in slow motion. Mm -hmm. My God, did Tiger Security jump in so fucking yeah, fast and just threw him up against the wall right. like he was attacking Tiger. Right. But in all reality, he was just trying to go take a leak oh, and leak. didn't see Tiger and Tiger didn't see him and they collided in the corner. But that was the club at Bellagio and Bellagio mm -hmm. was the place that we used to hang out the most. Um, I don't know where I was going with that story, but it yeah, was okay. dangerous. You sound like me. It was dangerous, like Bobby, me. because you, in Vegas, having access to the clubs and basically living at the Bellagio during that time, I can tell you the worst advice I ever got from one of the guys, and his name was Cole. I don't remember his last name, but he used to compete all the time. He was always in the top five um, on the Butch Harmon Vegas tour. And he told me, I go, man, I'm playing with him one tournament. I'm like, man, I'm young. This is my first like professional golf tour that I'm playing on. I'm like, well, what's your key to success? He goes, man, I just go out and get fucked up. And then he I come the story, in yeah. and he's like, and, and this got edited out. So I know this, our audience hasn't heard this, but you did hear this because I told you yeah. this. And I'm like, okay, you know, let me give that a shot because I'm kind of mental. You know, in between the ears, I'm just like, I overthink things sometimes. My God, I went out the next couple times and I realized real quick that that was not what was going to make me successful. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, but some of those mini tour guys, those mini tour legends, they're used to playing fuck it, fucked up. They just go and peg it and go out there and shoot uh, 65 and 66 like it's going out of style, go back, get after it the next day and go do the same thing, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great at this Bangkok, this live Bangkok um golf course was actually firm and fast and these mm. these these scores were going to be in the single digits for a change to really see how those guys can handle have you something seen like by the that. way the difference in the three days uh, of how what? they set up the courses and how they go about it so they see if the course is too tough and i've noticed this and this is not a conspiracy theory like you can see the pin positions you can see how they're moving up yeah. tee boxes and so forth 
that yeah. the first day they're kind of seeing how tough the course is going to play and then they ease yeah. it up over the next yeah. two days. Yeah. 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 I do. I have, I have noticed that I have noticed this trend on the live golf courses is that they don't play them super long and super far back. It seems like they set them up for, for birdies to, you know, for these live crowds to actually enjoy birdies and low numbers and that kind of stuff. Hey, do you want to know, um, uh, um, before we jump into some live stuff, um, Want to know who I think is going to play good out here this week in Vegas? I do because I pegged you and I go, this was yesterday. See, I forget about this stuff. That's okay. When all of a sudden we have this brief uh, injury delay. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know, who do do you like this week? Well, I love Patrick Cantley, right? I mean, Patrick Cantley, he owns this place. He's, um, uh, He's won here a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and I got, I, I was paired with him on a funny story in 2018. I was working for Siwoo. We teed off on Saturday morning. We were about six or seven off the lead. Cantley was paired with us. And Siwoo decides that he's going to go birdie the first five holes in a row out here to get close, close to the lead. And he made a monstrous number on, on number eight or a number, on number six, he made a nine. He made a fucking nine on a par four after burning the first five in a row. And the caddy's not going to walk to the 17 and go, Hey, put it behind you. <laughs> you know, you're even for the day. Put Give it me behind a fucking you. nine, but, bro. That's going to be on ESPN tonight. Yeah. Cantley, Cantley loves this. Cantley and his caddy he has a cat, a famous caddy out here named, um, uh, named Rev. We call him Rev. He's a great caddy. Fucking great caddy. Who wouldn't be a great caddy for Patrick Cantley? So see who birdies the first five in a row. And then you get to number six out here, and it's kind of a little dog leg uh, right to left. But the right side sneaks up on you real quick. There's a ton of desert. You can hit it into the houses. And he hits a big block. You know, we're not sure if it went out or not over the fence. You can't tell because there's so much desert cactus up there. And uh, we don't find it. We got to march all the way back to the tee. He pumps one down the middle. It's a very elevated green. It goes like 30 it goes 30 yards up. So anything short just rolls all the way back down 40 yards. And it's really, it, before they regress, it's really tight. And then it'll just get right into that Bermuda, right barely into that Bermuda. So we're all up there looking for this ball for like 15 minutes, goes back, retees, hits it down the middle, um, short sides himself, goes after a pin he shouldn't have, short sides himself, comes down 40 yards. And it's funny, I was watching the replay the night before on a different pin position. This was a tucked pin, like four over the corner. Um, from our angle and Webb Simpson had done the same thing I noticed and he went high with his shot he wasn't going to bump one into this sticky grainy thing so I'm sitting there with Siwoo and he goes oh oh, you like high or you like low I I see bumping down and I'm like well I I didn't want to say well I just watched this whole thing with Webb Simpson and other guys make a mess but I like go high and he goes no low take a bump so tried to bump it three times came back to his fucking feet right and he makes it he makes a nine or whatever so we get to the next hole which is kind of kind of drivable but Siwoo as we all know as Manny Bajegas verified for us last week he's got a temp he got a temper bro shorter than short according to Manny so he, he pipes this drive down the middle on seven <clears throat> and you when you walk off a of seven t, you walk through about a 10 yard area of cactus and bushes onto the next to to, to the upper tee so me and Rev and Cantlay are walking you know uh, we're walking behind Siwoo because we know he's going to lose his shit and we want to keep our distance so Siwoo like takes three quick steps towards his tax towards his cactus, right? And he fucking just boom, shrooms this cactus right in half, and cactus goes flying everywhere. And we're like, holy fuck, everybody get out of the way. Yeah. So Patrick Cantley has the biggest poker face of anybody, right? We talked about his focus and his concentration. It's very he he's got a great sense of humor once you get to know him, but he's very steely-eyed and doesn't show any emotion. 
So we're, we're all looking at each other like, oh, shit, let's let him get up there away from us like 30 yards and try and, 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 try and cool off. So I'm walking with Rev and I look down at Rev and he's fucking bleeding bad from like his right leg, right? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Rev, what happened to your leg? And Cantley turns around and he goes, you're fucking man, you know? not almost almost took my guy out with that fucking driver but it shot all this cactus into his leg now fucking look at it and i'm like oh my god grab oh, i'm so sorry right and i'm rattled and i take about another 10 steps and fucking cantley's in tears i go what the fuck are you laughing at and rev goes rev goes i cut my leg up on the hill looking for your man's drive i ran into some cactus that's just a little funny story that pat that people that don't know patrick cantley you know and i'm like oh my god he's totally set me up yeah and so we got to the green and and i've been and i know cantley very very well from southern california from his his early years getting paired with him a bunch you know and he and um uh he was like, we we're standing on that green. He goes, I don't know how. He goes, I've been saying this to, to guys for years. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you caddy for these Koreans that lose their shit like that. And I go, can I tell you something? We're even par right now. And I've seen this song and dance before. He's going to suck it up and he's going to shoot fucking two under. Patrick goes, I'll bet you $100 he doesn't fucking shoot under par the rest of the day. I nailed it. He shot. He, he hung in there. He shot two under. He finished in the top 20 or whatever. But that's just one of those funny off the path. Um, stories that you only see inside the ropes from a guy Patrick Camp, Patty Ice, right? Patty yeah. Ice is actually smart ass, and he's and he's super funny. And the same thing goes with Tiger. You would never think that about Tiger, but he's always talking shit and cracking jokes in between shots. Uh, obviously, before Sunday, if he has a chance to win or whatever. But he yeah. is definitely my guy to beat. The Koreans pick a Korean. Koreans love this golf course for the week, right? I'm kind of you know Sung Jay's defending Which champ. One? Obviously, well you know they, they they're Kims. <laughs> <laughs> they're Kim's. They're Kim's. Are they're in? Tom in? Tom's here. So uh, I think probably going to be a good golf course for Tom, right? You I hit think it straight Tom's out here. Going to thrive out there, especially yeah. after the Presidents Cup. Yeah. See, Wu has always has had a sneaky two or three good chances. I just mentioned one to do some damage here, and he sometimes something happens, and like Manny was saying, man, if this guy could just keep his patience, you know, he could have a chance to win well, every single I week. Do as we love know, the fact that now Manny's caddying for him this week, correct? That's confirmed. Yeah, yeah, Manny's did. Manny's got the back. He loves oh, Manny. I, love I talked to him today. Yeah, yeah. We, he we've been Manny, getting so some messages good... on social media about that episode that we yeah, did, happy. and people have been yeah. interested about whether or not Manny's. Yeah. Going to be the full time caddy or not? Yeah, so as it is right now. Caddy. Yep. Yeah, as it is, as it is right now. So I look for the Koreans. I, I Sung Jay, you know, Sung Jay obviously won last year. I wasn't on the, I, I wasn't on the bag. I wasn't too bummed about it. I had done my time with him. But the year before that, he finished eighth or ninth and made a couple critical mistakes on Sunday. He had a chance to win. So Sung Jay's going to be tough. Tom Kim, your boy, slash my boy, he's growing on me. He's going to be tough. I think KH Lee is going to be tough. Oh, sexy man. That's a sexy yeah. man. Oh, you're Very so sexy. Very sexy. <laughs> sexy man. And then the and then the the rookie that I've been touting this SH Kim. It seems like this is a good Korean golf course for all of those guys. They they just seem to, you know, and they play good on golf courses that aren't super long and they're hybrid Bermuda, whatever it is. They play good on Bermuda golf courses. And I'll tell you another thing that I've noticed over the years here. Somebody out of the new class, out of the Corn Ferry class, 
is going to have a big week is going to be in the mix. Now, I don't know. You would think it's probably going to be Taylor Montgomery because he's from Shadow Creek and he lives here. And there's a bunch of tour pros, David Lipsky, and there's a bunch of them, Danny Lee. They all live here. But the funny thing is, is you think they have an advantage, yeah, but Danny. they never go out here. And Yeah, you would think so, but they never go out here and they play. They don't play this course. They don't play summer line very often. Maybe Doug Gim's another one, two or three or four times a year, just because it's so busy and it's not in the same shape that it is when we're here. So I'm looking for somebody from the Corn Ferry Tour to have a big week. And I think I, I would think it would be Taylor Montgomery would be my favorite. The, my second favorite would be SH Kim. And the reason why I say this is because you got guys like Smiley Kaufman, his rookie year, got it done here, his one and only win. Um, I'm going to go way back to like Mark Ternessa, one here, you know, coming off the Corn Ferry Tour his rookie year. So I look for a Corn Ferry Tour guy to be in the mix um, very late. There's certain guys that play. Yeah. Is it safe to say that this is a golf course that you need to keep it in play off the tee and you don't have to be super Yeah, you long. do, but it's generous. It's generous off the tee, you know? It's very generous off the tee. But there's de there's desert everywhere. And if you get, That's it. even with the new grass, if you if you get short-sighted the way that these greens are sloped, and almost every green is a raised green, and they all have huge runoffs that are super tight and super burnout and super pinched, and it's it's tough to chip around here, that's for sure. And like I said, but you can do a lot of damage the last five holes. You can, you can literally play the last five holes on four or five under out here, which is it's just great for us when you stay when you stay close to the lead. You just want to stay close. And, you know, who knows? But I think Cantley's got to be a heavy favorite. You know, there's horses for courses. Martin Laird is True. one. Mark, is it one twice here, Martin Laird now? I want to say I mean, Martin, Martin Laird. Laird what, what a damn yeah. legend that guy is. And yeah, a lot he's of people another don't know of Martin here. Laird, but man, does he bomb yeah. the ball. He hits a dead straight, yeah. and he plays yeah. good on like two or three yeah. courses a year. And this is yeah. one of them. Yeah, yeah, this is this is one of them. It sits up. It's a nice little cutter's golf course, to tell you the truth. I like a little cut, a little cut off these tees. And I'm telling you with these new grassies, these guys that are, are, are specialists or, and these bombers, sometimes it can get you in trouble out here. But with the new grass and it not being so firm, because a lot of the fairways are tilted towards the desert. And Martin Laird plays a, plays a cut. And I guess I'm referencing number two is a nice little par four, but it's a pretty slanted left to right into the desert fairway. And if you get something going slightly right center and it takes the wrong hop, it can roll into the shit, into the desert. And then that's just a gamble. You play desert golf your whole life for years now. And it's just keep your fingers crossed. Sometimes you can get a club on yeah. it. And sometimes you're you're pinned up against a rock. So it should be pretty exciting because, you know, nobody really ever runs away with this golf tournament, right? There's been numerous playoffs here. Jaybird Jay Bird made the walk-off one on 17 some years ago, you know, in the dark. And, and uh, I believe Laird actually won in a playoff um, one year. Missing Kevin Na this year. He's he's banging it up and he's banging Bangkok. in Bangkok. He's banging he, in he's, Bangkok, folks. He's, he's always played here, so we don't have to worry about him. So you I know, know and he's I'm a Vegas forward. legend. I mean, he and loves he is a, hitting it yeah, out there in Vegas. He'll tell you where to go get that that him and Kenny Wagyu beef. Yeah, Kenny Harms. <laughs> Kenny Harms, you want to get into that? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But yeah. <laughs> that being said, I mean, we did talk yeah. about Live Golf Bangkok a little bit. We're going to dive in a little bit around that because that club was open this year. It's a private club by a billionaire over there in Thailand. So it kind of fits the whole model, right? I mean, right. when we look at this model of Live Golf, it's that the golfers want to feel like celebrities, and mm -hmm. they want to cater the tournaments around them. And then for the fans, they're going to make it a big party. 
just like mm-hmm. waste management. And they're going to replicate that model. They're going to make the team events out of, out of it. And I think for the casual fan, as well as the people that are like shunned by the country club environments and you know the elitist mentality of the PGA Tour and everything, these are the comments that I see. Um, especially when it comes to PGA Tour versus Live Golf. So I'm just kind of reading in between the lines that when it comes to this and seeing the guys out there and everything, and even Lee Westwood came out. Did you see his comments today? No. So Lee Westwood came out and said that we're in the entertainment industry, and it's about time that golf gets rid of, I forget what what the exact words were, but like of that elitist mentality that mm-hmm. we're too good for everybody else, that this is an elitist type of group, that it's only for the one percenters. And, you know, and I mean, he raised a pretty good point there because what did I say when Live Golf started coming out? I'm like, oh, this is a lifestyle tour. These guys are loose. They're having a blast. They're like, they're mm-hmm. shooting the shit. And you mentioned a comment around DJ on Sunday in contention yeah. on 18 and shooting the shit with his, bu- his body who he's yeah. competing against because... Yeah. What's it to him? He's guaranteed so much money that it's like, right. yeah, let's just have fun with it. You got Henrik Stenson out there kissing his famous three wood, all of that good stuff. So there is a difference in the product, which is why I'm like, they're so different that I think they can co- coexist, but I'm not going to beat a dead horse there. But when it comes down to like the club that they're at over in Thailand, and going through what they're doing for the tournament, I just see it as like, you know, Bobby, it's like, it's not necessarily like you're not getting the, you're getting some of the best players in the world, but you're not getting them locked in to play a competitive, serious right. golf tournament right. when it is the PGA Tour and even in the weeks like this to where it's the Shriners Open versus like a bigger tournament, like the, a major tournament, like the U.S. Open or anything like that. So that being said, they are going to be over there. It's the Stonehill Golf Club that they're at in Bangkok. The one thing that I can't wait to see, I'm going to be looking at players' eyes because as soon as yeah. I see some players' eyes that are just beat red, you know what went yeah. down. The same <laughs> thing that everybody saw in the Hangover 2 where yeah. there's monkeys involved, where there's trannies and strippers and all that good stuff and snake poison. I mean, that's what you're going to end up seeing if they go out and have a blast. But like we, Lee Westwood said, is there something to his comments about being in the entertainment industry? Is it the UFC versus WWE? You know what I mean? It's like you got yeah. real fighting versus people that yeah. are really like beating the crap out of each other, but in a very artistic way to where it's more entertainment-based. Like, are we starting to see the same thing with golf? Uh, no comment, really, to <laughs> tell you the truth. You lost me there on that whole thing. I have, I, no comment to me. I, I, I don't, you know, you know what? Oh, no, we lost Bobby. Bobby is gone. We just lost him, so his internet connection must have timed out there in Vegas. Obviously, uh, lost him on that last part, but it's entertainment versus a serious sporting event. And, you know, 
we're going to see. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Live Golf. I like the product that they're putting out there. I'm a fan of the PGA Tour. So we'll see how this all plays out. But the next part that we're going to dive into with Bobby, as soon as he reconnects here and gains his internet connection back, is going to be the Golf Digest article that came out from the undercover caddy. And the undercover caddy is a caddy on Live Golf and dropped quite a few quotes in um, a Golf Digest article. And here comes Bobby. So Bobby's coming back on now. Welcome back, Bobby. And he's connecting to the audio at the moment. But Bobby, we're just... So I explained to the audience as to what I was talking about when it comes to entertainment versus a real competitive sporting event. That's the dynamic that I was drawing between the two. So you've got one that's more entertainment-based, and I think that's where Lee Westwood was going with it, to where, like... We're out here performing to show you our talents. We're on the PGA Tour. You're getting a lot more of just that straight competitive. Like, it's very much so like real golf and competitive golf, in my opinion, versus more of the entertainment golf that we're out here for the fans. And, like, this is going to be like you you get to enjoy our talents, so to speak, without us being stressed out and competitive. I mean, you could just said exhibition golf against real golf, right? Oh, that's, see, I can't I, use those terms, Bobby. I can. You, you piss off different people. Well, wow. I can't, but you can. You, you're off people right. my whole life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I now we're diving. Out me. I hope you edit out what just happened with me going sideways there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> really threw you for a loop there, Bobby. But no, now we're diving. I didn't know in. if that thing comes off, the whole thing shoots. <laughs> I, I had no idea either. That was fantastic. I saw just a piece of equipment come out of your ear, and then all of a sudden you're off of the Zoom, and I'm like, oh, what do I do? But that's staying in. That was fantastic stuff. Now, when we look at Golf Digest article on the undercover caddy on Live Golf, oh, yeah. here's the quote. This is the quote from Read it to me. Golf Digest. Read the whole thing. It's fucking great. And this is about live golf. It's fucking great. For the first time in my career, caddies are treated like people. Does that sound melodramatic? Not if you're a caddy on the PGA Tour. Now, all right. First of Bullshit. all. Yeah, I, I, I even had a tough they, time. They, to get whatever they, they get whatever they want over there. Yeah, they agreed. get whatever they, they want. They get catered to, and I get that yes. and everything. But like to say that you're treated like people, do you yeah. not feel like you're treated like a person on the? Bro, PGA I've been team? out here for sixteen or seventeen years. The early years were a little rough, that's for sure. But everything, everything is everything has changed. Our food, our food, and the way we were treated, and they ask us. You know, I had the tournament director come up to me on the first tee today for the pro am. And he's like, Bobby, thanks for coming back. They go out of their way. They do it every year. Is there anything you could, is there anything we can improve on? And I told, and I told him and I go, honest answer. And he goes, yes, Bobby, flat out honest answer. I go, the breakfast for us needs to be a little bit better. It's your standard, it's your standard scrambled eggs, breakfast burrito, sausage patties, maybe a little fruit, who know how, you know, how long it's been sitting in there and that kind of stuff. I go, that's the that's the only thing. And he goes, really? I go, yeah, you got to keep pace with all these other tournaments. Cause all these mm. other tournaments have just been upgrading caddy facilities. I mean, we have, you know, we have, uh, we have massages available, you know, there's been, been almost every week we can get ourselves worked on if we're not feeling good. And well, that Bobby, kind of stuff. So, I mean, according to this live golf guy, I mean, he's bullshit. got massages with happy endings right. that are available in Bangkok. Well, that's Bangkok, <laughs> right? 
you'd think that's good over here in Vegas too, wouldn't you? <laughs> and the bitches are probably you know, a lot of hotter uh, over here uh, if they're uh, bitches. Uh, or, a lot of, <laughs> I mean, Deshaun Watson got a lot of trouble for assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only down for a little while. He'll get over it. <laughs> he got a lot of money too. Um, Who do you think I it think is, that, though? I, I, well, you know, it's funny. As soon as you, as soon as you sent that to me, I went down every player and tried to figure out what caddy was with every player and it couldn't. And I'll tell you, there was one guy that came to my mind, but the one thing that you didn't read in that article was how they said that like the, our tour, our, our tour liaison, liaison, if I'm saying that, like reps who, who walked the range, who is Jason Gore's new position out here. I saw Jason Gore out here for the first week. He's now working for the tour, not the USGA. That's his position, you know, that they shine caddies on. And I've never had that experience because I've been close with Ross Berlin, who's retired, and Andy Pasner, who is vice president of competitions. They always ask, hey, how things are going and that kind of stuff. And as much shit as Jay Monahan's taken, Jay Monahan went out of his way to make sure that caddy facilities and caddies getting taken care of was a high priority. So anyways, I'm going down the list and I couldn't figure out because this caddy said the only time they ever talked to me is if they needed tickets for a football game. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's a hint for me. So now I'm going down the list and half these caddies are European tour caddies and they're my friends. True. But I'm like, okay, so maybe it's somebody that lives in Jacksonville or Tampa you know, mm. for the Buccaneers or for the Jaguars. I couldn't figure out anybody else that would live close to a major football team. So one name came to mind and his name is Tim Butler. And he's been working for Paul Casey and he's been working for Paul Casey, but being the smart guy I am and watching golf the way that I'm watching golf, I noticed Tim Butler was on Garrett Kigo's bag last week when he played good. So I walk up to the punting green today and it's still bothering me. I can't figure out who the fuck it is. You know, but you you know what you didn't say in there is how that he kind of shelled the live golf tour saying, hey, there's no crowd. There's not there's not really many crowds. They don't know what they're watching. You know, they're not really golfers. They're loud. They're it's a, different, probably, if it, it's a different demographic of. Fans. Yes, it's, it is 100 percent a different demographic. But did you notice the one point? You know, a couple points I'll bring up. The one point that he said was that even his player turned to him during the first tournament and go, man, this is a little weird, isn't it? This is a little different with the lack of excitement. I also did notice, did, he, did you hear what he said about how he has a financial arrangement with his player that he's yep. not getting your standard eight and you know, for people that don't know, most caddies, we get 10 to 12 percent off of a win. And we usually get anywhere from so Koreans will pay 5 percent outside of a top 10. Uh, most guys don't do that anymore. And then you get pretty much 7 or 8% across the board. So they had a little deal worked out right there where he's not going to get as much as he said he was. But he also said, which was another hint to me, that it wasn't any, you know, it wasn't Austin Johnson or any big caddy or Kessler or Patrick Reed's brother-in-law that was making big money the last few years because he said, I'm going to make more money this year that I made the last three years. So that was another hint. So I come up with this Tim Butler name who's been, who had been working for Gorilla, went to Paul Casey. And then I saw him on the putting green. I go, what? I go, what are you doing? He goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, I know what you did last week. You tried to win with Garrett Kig. Oh, that was a great week, but you're not working for Paul Casey anymore. And he goes, I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. And I go, Paul or the tour. And he goes, he goes a little bit of both, mostly Paul. And, and I'm like, because I guess Paul hasn't been playing good for two or three years. He's been battling some injuries. And he's a tough bag. Paul will even tell you he's kind of a tough bag. So I'm like, oh, are, are you? And I just flat out asked him, I go, were you the fucking undercover live caddy? And he looked at me and go, I go, do you like football? 
and he goes, and he, and he goes, yeah, I like football and that kind of stuff. I go, you live in Jacksonville or Tampa? He goes, no, I live somewhere else, but I'm a big football fan of this. I go, oh, so fuck, it wasn't you. And I, and I pulled up the article and I showed it to him. I go, who do you think this is? And he goes, man, I have, I have no idea who it is. And I go, well, then let, let's just talk about this live tour. He goes, listen, they give you whatever you want. You know, you're not renting a car as a caddy. You're not paying for a hotel room. Um, you're getting extra money to wear the microphone. It's mandatory to wear the microphone, you know, if your player is in contention. He was going through all the good things. And then he goes, and then I go, well, tell is there any bad things about it? And he goes, because it's, there's no pressure, man. These guys got all this money up front. So it's not like they're out there grinding, really trying to, to learn these golf courses to get in contention. They're just, they know that they're going to, they're, they know that they're going to make X amount of dollars no matter what I go, what about this whole financial thing here? Did you have a deal worked out with Paul? And he goes, no, Paul was still paying me. Of course, no caddies get, we, none of us get any piece of contract money or upfront money or, you know, I've been overseas with guys like Brandon Steele where he plays some French Open and he's getting $100,000 to go play. I don't get a piece of that. I don't get a piece of any of that. I get my weekly. His weekly was the same. His percentage was the same. So, But I know that, that I had read in the past that there were some deals made where, you know, and this guy obviously verified it, this mystery caddy. And it's it's killing me to Bobby, try and figure I'm, out. So I'm, I'm Tell me your theory because you told me early. Yeah, here's my theory. It's Kenny Harms who's on yeah, Kevin, Kevin Na, Na. and yeah. by the way, because of the Vegas connections with Kevin Na, I bet you yeah. he was asked for football tickets for the Las Vegas Raiders. But he lives in, well, with Kevin's connections, I yeah. could sit. I, I could and sit. I bet you that the officials wouldn't go, the PGA Tour officials wouldn't go to Kevin Na for that. They'd go to Kenny yeah. and ask Kenny, hey, can you hook Possible. this up? Because Kenny, here, here's my backup to that. Because Kenny just posted a video today, which I saw I'm glad it. that we're doing that, or we're doing the podcast today because we actually have a little bit more insight on this. Yeah, we do. So he posted a video where he's literally in the video saying, and I'm actually treated like a human being. Look at this. I'm able yeah. to use the same locker room as the as the golfers. And he's walking through, and they're showing him where the locker room is, and I mean, it's a sick setup. I'm not going to lie. In the locker room in Bangkok, like they have each of the teams in like separate locker rooms. It's mm -hmm. pretty cool setup. But that video right there showed me that, yeah, there's a chip on his shoulder. And then you yeah. bring in the Vegas connections. And it's like, yeah. where do you ask for connections? It's normally fucking Vegas. Because mm -hmm. normally if you know somebody and you're yeah. around the Vegas connection world, somebody's got a connection to get you, whether it's a UFC fight, sure. a boxing fight, the Raiders. I mean, you go on and on. And in Vegas, it's like you can get hooked up if you know the right people. So sure. that is why I am going. My guess is Kenny yeah. Arms. Well, I'll give you a little background. I've known Kenny, uh, Kenny for a long time. I've known him for 15 years. He is... I'm going to start out with some good things. He is a top 10 caddy on the PGA Tour now on the Live Tour. He does a lot for Kevin. He's all in. He's a fantastic green reader, but he's sour grapes He's all, when you talk to him. He is sour grapes. He has an opinion on everything. He's never wrong. You're playing he's into that, it. He is that fucking caddy who is, who is, you know, there's a small percentage of caddies that are millionaires, right? And Kenny invested his money the right way and he owns a lot of property down in down in orlando and he's not afraid to walk into the caddy room after some caddies have had a bad day on the golf course and tell him 
you know, hey, the stock market's booming. I'm killing it on this. I'm redoing my fourth house. Um, I'm drinking this kind of wine. He's that. He's that guy. He's that sour grapes wine. Who's who's very opinion on every uh, on everything. And I could see I could see Kenny doing that because he's a fully vested live caddy now. He he was the genius of. Remember when they got their backpacks and their little care package and everything like that? You know, he was the one who's like, oh, we got a backpack and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you should see the fucking bag we got at the U.S. Open. You know, it's like a fucking three hundred dollar bag. I'm thinking about selling it on fucking eBay for five hundred. Cause there's only so many made of them, you know, it's, I, I just stare at the thing. I don't even want to use it. It's so fresh. So I could see, you know, I could see that. I could see that being Kenny. I saw a little bit piece of that video of him viewing the chipping area and telling you how, how great things were. This cat, this cat, this supposed caddy also said in that article too, he's like, I can't understand for the life of me why the PGA tour doesn't put a million dollars aside to fly caddies pay for caddies to pick up, pick up the tab for caddies to fly places and pick up the hotels, which number one, it's never, ever been done like that. That's why we get our weekly expenses. But number two, can we mention a good point? There's 48 fucking guys in that field and it's Saudi unlimited money. And there's 148 guys average in our fields and the tour is not going to pick up a bill like that. But can I say something good about the tour too? When we were going through the pandemic and that kind of stuff, they had charters flying us from tournament to tournament. We never had to pay a fucking penny that so they wanted to keep the sport going and you know golf was the first sport big big sport back up after the pandemic we took the jay monahan they we took the chance to get sports back out there for this country to let everybody know that hey things are going to be all right golf is up and kicking and that kind of stuff but i could see you know i could see it being kenny for sure want some scoop yeah want some scoop mito Mito Pereira. what about him don't bet on him this week Oh boy. Yep. Yep. I'm not giving you any names or anything wow. like that, but Mito Pereira is playing this week and he is playing two more fall events to, you know, the guaranteed ones to see Zozo in Japan next week, which is 70 field, no cut, make as much as you can in CJ cup. And I was talking to somebody today and he's been on our podcast before and uh, he wasn't giving me a hundred percent, but if you here, here's my tip to any gamblers bet against Mito Pereira this week because maybe just like about Dustin in April last year when when his deal was probably done these guys have lost the fire and I noticed Mito last couple days he usually carries around his quad you know his little track man quad thing and he's not carrying anything around and I'm wondering if he's going through the motions but Perito Mito Pereira is he out at the end of the year Bobby I'm pretty sure he is at the fall I think he's the one going I can't get any more Siwoo scoop I don't know if Siwoo I don't know if Siwoo is planning on going. I told you that rumor was going around from you Andrew. You your champ, from, bro. Oh my well, I work for Barbersaw champ, bro. No big deal. Yeah. So I, I, I don't see as much excitement as, as Siwoo got, you know, out of the President's Cup and that kind of stuff. And keep in, keep in mind this. And I, and I was talking to somebody. This came up again um, today. Remember my theory on Hideki not going was that yeah. Asian culture is a little different. He is the, the he's a god over there, right? He is an absolute god. When he finishes around and she's 75, there's 40 Japanese reporters here that they got to take him away from the media center. There's so many of them to do their interview. So uh, I, I come to find out there a big connection there to into Hideki's camp that he was seriously thinking about going, but well, he did, also did you ser- hear what they offered him? Four, five. Five, five hundred million billion dollars, and he turned yeah. it down. And he turned it down. And you know the reason why this person who's close to him told me he turned it down is because he would have been the most hated 
athlete in Japan and they would have disowned him. And I wonder if that has a trickle down effect to South Korea, to um, uh, South Korea also, oh, because, you know, these, the, the South, you know, these Asians are different. They, you know, I work for these fucking Koreans, these hot headed Koreans and the, you know, the older, the older generation, the older culture generation doesn't raise their guys to act like little bitches on the golf course like some of these guys do. And I even got it from the top, from their big sponsor, CJ, who runs our CJ Cup, who's on, you know, they got the coolest hats on the planet. Those, those Koreans wear those CJ Cup hats. And it was getting back to me through the grapevine that these CJ guys were not happy with Siwoo's antics on, or Sungjae's well, antics on the golf course. They're all so. about legacy and history and tradition. Yes. And it's yes. like, that doesn't play yes. into a yes. brand new tour that's all about money. Yeah. And, and you, uh, another thing with these Koreans you got to think about too, is they got to do fucking military service, right? They got until they're like 32 or 36 years old to do military service. So oh, that's a good you know, point. What, are these live guys going to be, you know, it goes off of world rankings and we'll get into that next topic that you want to bring up that just broke today. I think it's a publicity stunt on this part personally, but you know, these Koreans are life and death to fit, to, to k- catch a medal in the Olympics. Cause it gets them out of that whole military thing which is derailed careers it's derailed Sangmoon Bay it derailed recently SYNO who lost his status and was starting to show some form so you know there's two ways they can get out there's a few ways they can get a medal and and, and, and it shows you how these <coughs> some of these media guys aren't really in tune with with facts right let's just call it facts because I was listening to the, bro- uh, the broadcast on the President's Cup, and I think they were talking about K.H. Lee. You know, he's going to have to do military. Well, these idiots don't know that K.H. Lee, you know, caught a medal in the Pan American Games years ago. So he's exempt. And when you get exempt out of this military thing, what you do have to do is you have to go back over to Korea and you run through a quick two, two, two to four week, learn how to shoot a gun kind of thing or be in the proper position if – uh, what's his name from North Korea decides to f- fire one of those ballistic Kim missiles over. Yeah. He flew, I guess he flew another one over Japan that landed in the Pacific, <coughs> excuse me, last week. So that's something about, that's something about the Koreans too. So now I've changed hard. I don't, I don't see Siwoo going. Now I know where Siwoo is right now at this moment. And he's sitting down at that JW Marriott Rampart Casino. He's about $2,000 to $5,000 a hand. So that was my one theory that maybe Siwoo mm. needed to go, because he wanted to make the make the easy money, but you get know, there's that guaranteed way, up front pay off that. You know, get that guaranteed up front. And Siwoo's mom, Siwoo's dad has been sick for a while, for three or four years. He's smoking cigarettes. He'd smoke fifty cigarettes a day. I'd watch him, and he, you'd hear him out in the crowd with his coffee. And you're like, man, he doesn't sound healthy. And Siwoo finally told me, yeah, he's not. He's gonna have to quit oh, the cigarettes. He went back home to Korea. So now Siwoo's over here flying solo without the parents around, which doesn't happen with with um, with Koreans very often. But these Koreans can also. If they want to, let's say it, let's get, say that Siwoo gets to 33 or 34 years old, and he already answered this question politically properly for his country in an interview that I read. They can take American citizenship, right? And Siwoo flat out told me once, I go, what happens if it gets to the last year and you're going to have to go do military service? And he flat out told me, he goes, I become American citizen, bro. He goes, I'm not going to go do military. I'm a golfer. I'm good at what I do. I'm just not going to do it. And I'm like, well, what's the repercussions on something like that? And he's like, repercussion? What does that mean, repercussion? I go, what, what bad can happen out of that? He goes, the only bad thing is, is that I can all, I would only, I, my country would not be happy with that, number one, you know, because he's kind of, I've, I've walked through airports with Siwoo before in Korea, and he's a fucking legend over there, you know, they, they, they harass him. He can't go through 
I'm not telling you, saying it's like DJ or MJ walking through a, an airport, but he's pretty popular over there. But the deal is, is you can only go back to Korea, I think, 60 days a year. But if push came to, if push came to shove, he, I would imagine that that's the way he's going to go. So, but yeah. you can, you, you can go ahead and make two bets. Make a bet against Mito Pereira this week and make a bet that Mito Pereira is Bon Voyage to the, to the live tour. And wow, once again, this is, is going to be another, this is another week that I'm going to tell you. And I mentioned this in Napa that nobody is talking about the live tour on the putting green or the driving range. It's almost like I said, we're at this point where we're going to play our tour. You're going to play your tour. And you know, they're, they're really, they're, they're really no threat to us anymore other than you throwing out a lot of money and, and cherry picking maybe two or three more players, but it seems like they got their 48. Obviously there's 10 or 12 of them that you can bust out of there that nobody would, that nobody would, would really miss, but without the world rankings and I'm teeing you up to go into this thing that broke today. So I do have one question though. I do have one question though from the Mito Pereira side, because him and Joaquin are best friends. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Mm. And Abe and Abe and, (coughs) and he is not, um, he is not connected to the one Carlos, the one agent with GSE that has Sergio, Joaquin, Abe, who has all the Latinos. Usa has and Carl, you know, Schwartzall. He's got five or six guys. His whole posse, his whole posse has gone over there. But, um, uh, yeah, I can see that. He's going to go one to those, he'll go right to one of those Latino teams. And I said to Scott McGinnis, you know, his caddy, and I'm like, man, am I going to see you again? He's like, mm. he didn't give me the answer. And I'm like, well, you just gave he me the gone. answer. We were talking in the caddy thing and he, he kept shushing me because I get a little loud, you know, he kept shushing me and like pointing at other guys. So I think he is a, uh, I think he's good night, Irene. What can I tee you up to the little yep. OWGR Mina tour thing? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I do. So I woke up this morning. So I woke up this morning and I go right to, Social media. I shouldn't say I woke up. I never fell asleep with the food poisoning last night. But I'm scrolling through. You sound terrible this morning. I'm I'm surprised you could even pull open a phone. I'm a gamer. I'm uh, (laughs) uh, you feel like shit right now. Still, Um, I can't drink enough water. Um, But I woke up seeing this. You know, live hot takes. We're getting world rankings this week. They're getting world rankings this week. So, um, uh, do you want to explain it to the people what happened today, or you want me to take it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll I'll get into it a little bit and then I'll turn it over to you. How about that? Yeah. So Jenna yeah. Sims breaks like the news. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is ridiculous in and of its own right. She but got a lip job. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the Middle Eastern Northern African tour, which yeah. has Mina. been f- struggling to say yeah. the least. Like, yeah, there's reports that came out today as well as to why this all really came about. But they have, so this MENA tour is what it's called. They have 54 whole events. Now, they have mm-hmm. cuts to which they do. we talked about ahead of time because that's what technically qualifies them because they do allow some 54 whole events. It's what they did with the Hero World Challenge back. Um, they made some exceptions there and opened themselves up from an official World Golf Ranking standpoint to allow this type of stuff to take place. So what did Live Golf do? They teamed up with the MENA Tour, and obviously they have the Middle Eastern ties with Saudi Arabia and Dubai. And so long story short, they're claiming that because of these ties, 
that the guys mm-hmm. playing in Bangkok this week are going to receive official world golf ranking points because it's technically going to be a MENA Tour sanctioned event. You want right. to take it from there, Bobby? Yeah, so I'll take it from there, and I'll open up with this publicity stunt, number one. I believe it's a publicity stunt. Number two, here's what here's my, my personal opinion theory on what happened was Greg, know, Greg knew he wasn't going to get world rankings, that he was beating a dead horse, that it was not going to happen especially with Peter Dawson and Jay Monahan controlling the decisions being made there. So um, Greg probably went over to him with a bunch of fucking Saudi money, didn't he? And that tour had, didn't, had well, not Well, they played. were struggling. So, yes, money well, listen, definitely you know played a factor. So you know what this, you know, hey, we'll give you 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 million to keep your tour going. Because the background on this tour is it's, a, it's very small, right? And they hadn't played any events for two years because of the pandemic over there. And now they've recently played, they've recently played four events. But if you listen to the Golf Live Twitter guys, and uh, I think the Daily Telegram over there in the UK is yes. our version of TMZ. Would, would you say something like similar. that? Definitely similar. similar. Where they... But even in that article, by the way, even in that article, they said that it's so everybody took it as, oh, Live Golf now has official world golf rankings. But but once you started reading the article, yeah, because most people got like a sentence or two because you had to pay in order to read the entire article. Yeah, I I saw that. So I I paid for the article because I wanted to read the entire thing. And sure enough, as soon as you get past the clickbait, and yeah. the pay portion, it yeah. dives into the whole fact that this is not really, that it's more of like what you mentioned, a publicity stunt, and yeah. this is why, and they tied it into the fact that they're trying, they're trying to get official world golf rankings for this event because they're tying it into the Mina Tour, which has official world golf rankings, and they've had 54 whole events in the past, and they're trying right. to make it a sanctioned event and all this and that. But yeah. even in the Telegraph, they say that it's a long shot for that. So to your point, yeah, Bobby. Yeah. So I think it's my personal opinion. They shelled a bunch of money at them. It's a publicity stunt. This is something for the live Twitter guys to go off and run with. And, you know, like I said, there's no talk on the range out here the last couple of weeks. These guys are over it. It is what it is. It's not It's not going away. No, no time in the future. But I just figure like they just kind of, you know how everybody's like, you go on social media and everybody's like, gosh, I wish everybody would just stop taking shots at everybody and that kind of stuff. I mean, depending on who you follow or who you listen to, because I, I, I try to be on both sides, listen to both sides and that kind of stuff. If there's 10 shots being fired, Matt, would you agree that seven or eight of those shots are coming from the live, the paid live social media oh, guys? 100%. You, you don't and hear any. You know you, what's you hilarious? Hear, I actually recently on a live golf forum, somebody mm-hmm. posted who's been, they've been posting a lot within this forum. And again, this is like close to a half a million people that are in this forum and that are all live golf fans. And this guy yeah. posts in like positive about live golf all the time. He finally comes out and added a comment that said, can we stop 
bringing up the PGA Tour and trashing them every step of the way because right. it makes us look bad instead of just trying to support the live golf and what they're trying to do. Like all this forum is, is bashing the PGA Tour yes. and why they're evil and all this. So you're spot on. I mean, it yeah. is to where if you say anything that's neutral, if you do that in a PGA Tour forum or pro PGA Tour, like people mm -hmm. will listen. But when you do it in there, you're going to get destroyed yeah, by all yeah. those people in there because it's so hardcore in one direction that they're just right. the jaded group. They're the they're the um, they're the not popular crowd. They're the outcast. Outcast is the word I was looking for. But they're the outcast group of mm -hmm. the golf world, and they're like they have a chip on their shoulder and they're constantly battling against, but they end up being the ones that drive the majority of this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent for sure. So we'll see. But my, I guess I'm going to say this. Are these guys, if they're, if they're supposedly close to getting world rankings, number one, that paperwork and everything's not going to get shoved through in the next, I don't know what, what's the time zone over there in Thailand. Are they ahead of us behind us? Oh, they're way ahead. That? Yeah, so it's actually, so we're sitting here October 5th. It'd be October 6th over there, probably okay. during the daytime. So, so are you going to tell me before these guys step onto the tee when they're getting in the locker room, there's going to be billboard that up and says, okay, guess what? You're getting world ranking points this week. If it was a fucking done deal, it would be all over everywhere, and these people would be popping off about how they're getting world record points. So I think Greg reached into the Saudi pockets, threw out some money, and this was his last-ditch effort to – to get some world oh, ranking he's points. reaching for straws yeah. at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. trying everything he possibly can because as it leaked about several players, they were told by him directly that they were going to receive official world golf rankings and that this was mm -hmm. a done deal, that it was mm -hmm. only a matter of time. Like, they mm -hmm. were promised a lot of things in switching over, which, yeah. that's, that's Greg, a tough one. Hey, Matt, Greg's been lying the whole time, right? Same, same Greg Norman that told, that told Sergio over those text messages to everybody else. They can't suspend you. They can't suspend you from the PGA Tour. You're an he, independent he contractor. He did say that well, he was for wrong. sure. He was wrong about that. You know, he was wrong about that. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. We tee off super early. We're 749 tomorrow hey, you morning. You got to get going, man. You got to rest up. I do. I know you've been I pounding do. that Fiji water, which you love, oh, which has some great minerals in it. I mean, from the yeah. volcanoes and oh, everything. Tums are some good. Tums, some artificial yes. substances there. I mean, don't get drug tested out there on the PGA Tour, Bobby, <laughs> because Tums might show up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, when you get food poisoning, man, I hope there's no kids listening to this, but when you get food poisoning, when I get food poisoning, I've had it two or three times there is one thing and one thing only that that makes me feel good and that's a little nibble off of the side of a xanax right <laughs> so it just relaxes me and i can actually sleep for three or four hours and calms feel like your I'm stomach gonna... a little bit yeah exactly and i'm not going to mention the player's name you know who he is because i sent you the text but i reached out to a uh, to a player who a friend, who, who, a friend. yeah a friend. <laughs> This is why I'll never be on the cold notes. That's a, this is why I'll never be bones because <laughs> I'm too damn honest. But I reached out to this guy because he I know he suffers from anxiety and I'm not telling you that he takes it before the round and that kind of stuff. But if he's in contention, he probably has a little bit of a Xanax the night before so he can get some kind of sleep and relax his, 
his brain. So I reached out to this guy and I'm like, man, I struggle and that kind of stuff. Can I, you know, can I meet this friend on the putting green? What time does this friend play in the pro-am? And he gave me, he gave me a couple of zannies and as soon as we get off this thing, I'm going to nibble on a quarter. And um, my two favorite shows, my two favorite shows drop new episodes tonight. I'm a big fan of this thing called A Handmaid's Tale. Have you heard of A Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, Which that's is very aggressive. Dark. It's very yeah, dark. So that's a dark. new one. And I grew up in the Star Wars, the Star Wars ages. Right? Are you Star watching the series on Disney Plus? Ardon, uh, um, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Andor. The new yeah. one, Andor. So a new Andor dropped tonight, too. So I'll be up for another hour or so. Well, Bobby, I got to tell you, man, this podcast popped you right back into form. You started and only about halfway through (laughs) did we have three burps, which I I had the over under on social media at 12 and it never hit that point. It didn't even come close. I mean, people are pissed off at me because I'm like, oh, this is going way over. But no. Bobby, you snapped yeah, into form. This might be one of our longer episodes. And it yes, is. <laughs> I love the fact that you just, I mean, you you hit your second wind. And now yeah. I'm just like, fuck, him and, him and fucking Troy are going to go out there tomorrow. We're going to rip go, it up. Yeah, I, I yeah. got a feeling that you're going to do that. And I'm pretty we pumped about new, this week for you guys. Thank you, Matthew. We got a, we got a new putter in the bag. And I'm looking... I'm looking forward to that. Now I'm going to be very looking forward to the first four footer that he has to, or six footer to save par because that's going to save the tone. But you know, if you put our practice round today, um, uh, why, why'd your camera go off? It said low battery. You're cutting this. Oh low. yeah. You got some go. serious edit. You ain't going to bed till four in the morning with all the editing you got to do. You got to bring this down from three hours to an hour and 20 minutes. Um, uh, he played six under in his practice round the last two days. So well, let's go kick some ass and I'll let's check in it. with you next week, my friend. And we'll have plenty to talk about, about this tournament. And we will have plenty to talk about, about what happened with Bangkok. And we then we roll into do. our two huge tournaments coming up Zozo and the CJ Cup we, in the next we two weeks. We got some big news around pole hook golf in general, maybe a studio yeah. coming up. So let's put that, you know, in. there's yeah. going to be some interesting stuff that we've got to talk about yeah. next week. So looking forward yeah. to it, Bobby. All right. Appreciate you the you have a great tournament and uh, thanks buddy. Wait, buddy. All right. All right, my man. I'll check have in with you one. later. All right, peace. Thank you for tuning in to season two of the pole hook golf podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe and go to www dot for more information.